Hello and welcome back to the Rosberry Podcast. Uh, today I'm joined by the mighty Tom Barlow. Uh, Tom is, I believe, a three-time uh, Nogi World Champion. Uh, he's one of the he's one of the best competitors this country's ever produced. Really, he's a uh, uh, he's been in the game for a very long time. He's travelled all around the world, trained with a lot of high level guys. So uh, it was good to chat to him about all of that stuff. He's also a commentator for Polaris, which now I think about it, I think that means that I've had the entire Polaris commentary team on this podcast because it's Nick Shipshack, Josh Palmer, and Tom Barlow. So this I've done that. I've got them all. But yeah, he's a commentator. He's a very intelligent guy. And uh, he's a very, very good grappler, instructor, competitor, pretty much everything. So I wanted to get Tom on for a while and finally made it happen. And I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Check it out. Um, yeah, let's just get straight into it. Firstly, how are you doing? I'm great, thank, thank you, Thank you Dan. for joining me. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to kind of start with, actually, because we've known each other for a long time, actually. Yeah, probably, you know, 10, no, how old am I now? A long time, yeah, 10, 12 years. We like actually that. fought each other. <laughs> yes, which way I, back. Which I actually forgot about, and someone reminded <laughs> me yesterday when I put the Facebook post out. I, was, I think uh, it, it must have been... It was 2007, because I was thinking about this as well, oh, yeah. Shit. It was in Milton Keynes. It was Fila. Yeah, it was the first Fila trials. Yeah. Uh, I would have been uh, a humble purple belt. You had just won... Like juvenile world as a blue belt, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. When was it? Two thousand seven. Seven, I think so. Yeah, I think I hadn't. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I just won juvenile. Yeah, yeah because right. it was a weird competition in itself. Because it was like I was. I wasn't in the compete. Yeah, that was the thing. Yeah. Like, so I, uh, I rocked up. I had a broken rib at that time as well because I was training a lot of MMA. And like a, two days before the competition, a guy tried to jump, spinning roundhouse kick me, and he ended up connecting <laughs> with his knee in my rib. Ouch. So. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't nice. Uh, my whole goal for that competition was to finish everything as fast as possible. So I was like, I, I, I think I had like four or five fights. Because it was, it was the Fila trials. Yeah. yeah. And they, 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 I think they only did like two. So Fila's like a wrestling organization. And they were kind of moving into submission grappling. I think it was at the time it was they were, um, their program had been cut down a lot. And yeah. so they were trying to introduce other sports ah. into it, which is where it kind of... So they had like they had a beach wrestling one that they were trying to get into it as well. Just on the sand? Yeah. Like, yeah have you, not seen the, you must have seen the recent beach wrestling stuff. No. No, man, it's cool. It's really cool. It's Actually, I saw one tournament that Gary Tonnen did. Yeah. But I didn't know it was a big thing. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. This has been going for quite a long time. Because really? they were just trying to bolster up their program so they, could remain in the, so they could remain in the Olympics and remain relevant. They were trying to get more money or... Probably more than likely. Yeah. That's what most things are about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the, the the more events they have, the more they get paid. You know, well, you know, you know what it's like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they were doing that. They had a sambo one. They had a pancreation one as well. Really? Which was how yeah. did that differentiate from MMA? Was it like no gloves or? Uh, if I remember correctly, was it no- like pancreation as in King of Pancras stuff, or was it pancreation as in like ancient Greek shit? It, no, as in King of Pancras stuff. Okay, so it was think, open hand strikes. Yeah, I think okay. it was open hand strikes, and I think they might have had, because it was all amateur, right? So it was supposed to be all amateur. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure they either had helmets on, they definitely had shin guards on. Um, so yeah, that was that was that was what happened when we went to Turkey after that. Yeah, so like, the interesting thing about the feeder is they kind of, I, 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 th- I believe that they pretty much picked who they wanted to go already, and they almost had to like run a trials just to get the, those people through. Yeah, the first one was a lot like that, I think. Yeah. Um... And so yeah, it did get like I I, I fought a couple I fought a couple of good guys. I fought yourself. You well, know. well, I <laughs> I think I was well. I must have been sixteen at the time. Yeah, and uh, and I I rocked up just to watch. Yeah, <laughs> and then Ebby was just like, uh, "Can you fight?" 
I'm like, yeah, I guess so. I'm fucking fine. Yeah. So I'd already, by the time that you turned up, I'd fought like three or four times yeah. and I was about to leave. And then I was like, you got one more fight. And I was like, what? <laughs> right. I, I fought one beforehand. Can't yeah. remember the guy's name. That was like a crazy fight. They tried to get me the fight girl. Right. They tried to get me the fight Rosie Sexton. Okay. Because she was the other one. I think she ended up going, right? Uh, no, she didn't. She was supposed to go, but she didn't. They okay. got another SPG girl who went. Okay. But I like, I think like she was the one that they were trying to get through for the women. Yeah. So it was like, oh, she needs a fight. Yeah. Uh, get Straussy over here. <laughs> and it was Simon Hayes who was like, no, don't make him fight the girl. Yeah. And I was like, forever indebted in that. Because that, that's a lose-lose situation. It is a pretty much a lose-lose situation. Um, like, yeah, that's, that's bad. Nobody wants to do that. No, 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 no. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun. I like rolling girls. They're, they're a lot of fun, man. They're, uh, I like rolling with girls, but... Fighting them would be a bit different, right? Well, I, I, have you ever fought a girl? my wife but no, <laughs> i'm not sure that, that, that usually that doesn't that doesn't sound good but she's like a black belt yeah she's a black belt compared to her as well yeah. so it's they're kind of that's thing, okay but, <laughs> but, uh my first ever jiu-jitsu match was a, was against a girl oh really yeah whether you're like really baby. young though i was 15 or 14 oh okay something like that not super young yeah it was like a yeah it wasn't like a kid's match yeah uh but yeah that was i've told that story in the podcast before that but there must have been like, experience man at that point there must have been very few juvenile people it was like you and steve martin right and that was about it this was hereford one Hereford one. Hereford one. It was like out the back of like a like a men's club, and you had to walk to a bar. Everyone was smoking inside still to uh to to get to the uh to get to the single mat. Oh one my mat. god! People Man. people nowadays they don't even it. know, do they? Right? There was one mat. Yeah. <laughs> Every single match of the day, like he goes, uh, "What what division are you find?" There were no belt divisions. <laughs> there weren't enough blue belts in the country to warrant belt divisions. It was literally just a oh graphic. Oh my god! Tournament. I see. I did something similar up in Crew. It was um. I can't remember what it's called, like the Submission Open Trials or yeah. something like that. And that was, uh, so, what was her name? Um, one of Braulio's students. She was really good. Do you remember her name? She used to win a lot uh, of stuff. Kathy. Re- no, was it Kathy? Kathy, there's Kathy Gifford was one of the, uh, Rachel Wheatley. Rachel Wheatley, yeah. yes. She was in that. And she tore through everybody yeah, in yeah, her division. Like, and she was like, she was like fighting guys because it was her and there were a lot else. Of, like, it, it doesn't happen at all now, no. but... Like it used to happen yeah. pretty regularly. Yeah, and it's funny because like, I mean, she did so well. But yeah. at the time, it was, I think it, there was there was nothing. She was fighting in the gi, and for some reason, in the gi rules, they made people start on their knees. Yeah, that's what Hereford One was. It was weird. Yeah, and it was like I don't know why, but Hereford One was starting from the knees, and a submission did not even end the match. What? Yes. <laughs> how, do, how did you win then? <laughs> you could. Uh, it was first to ten points. Oh, okay. And oh, okay. you could score them with like standard IBJF, and a sub was five points. Yeah. So you could sub someone twice. Okay, wow. That's a weird... That's, that's Or you could get subbed and then win on points. That's really weird, isn't it? But you couldn't take anyone down because it started from the knee. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, man. Yeah, I remember hearing about Braulio fighting in one as well. Like when he was a brown belt, he came over in like oh, really? 2002. Oh. He ended up fighting ninjas. Just couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you got this guy, I think he was like the world champion, like a brown belt, and he's fighting a ninja in like a full-on ninja suit. That's and, fucking and brilliant. He obviously wrecked everybody, but... <laughs> What you did? Oh, they were the good days, man. Right, they you were the old days. You didn't they know were... what the fuck was going on. People really don't. And it, it's so crazy that it wasn't that long ago. No, I know. It was what, 10 years? Like, yeah, 10 years ago. Fact, it a bit longer. Like, but like 10 years ago, it was kind of still the Wild West when it came to. Yeah. Like 10 years ago, there were like four jiu-jitsu competitions a year. Yeah, that's I remember. It was like, yeah, you had Urban Gorillas. <laughs> yeah. And then like you had the, the ones that you did. The Northern Open, the Southern Open, the Gracie, the, uh, Gracie Invitational, Gracie Invitational at Senna. And then there was an ADCC trials that always used to be as well. Yeah, I think you'd run that as well. I think you'd yeah. pretty much run like the oh, whole team. Ran everything, yeah, yeah. And then there'd be like little, uh, 
like a Japanese jiu-jitsu would try yes. and put one on or a judo would do a niwaza or yeah, yeah. Like stuff like that. But that's what I did. That was the first one. It was like a Japanese jiu-jitsu slash judo club that put yeah. it on. And it was yeah. Like, like a knee, like a grat. I think the Hereford one was because uh, Dave Coles came from a judo background because he, <clears throat> he was kind of like with that. Yeah. It was a ground fight. It wasn't even jiu-jitsu. It was a ground fighting tournament. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the ground, man. All about the ground. <laughs> it's just but a yeah. ground fighting tournament. Uh, but yeah, man. So we, we ended up fighting. You heel hooked me. I did well. That was the broken rib thing. I was like, I was, I, I'd fought through all of these fights, and I like, even, I didn't even know what that was. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I felt somewhat bad. In reflection, I feel somewhat bad. At the time, I was just happy that it was over. Um, like Dan. So I don't know if people know Dan is super bendy for such a big fella. Yeah. Like because Dan was never always this big. No, he was a lot well, smaller. I, yeah. He was like my size. Was I was probably than me. sixty kilos. Well, it must have been sixty-five kilos when I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I think the division was no. The division was sixty-two. Okay, yeah. So it was sixty-two, 62 kilos, then, yeah. and so super bendy. So I was trying to do all this stuff, and I was like, oh, my ribs are. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like, so I, I remember you going for like a few twisting footlocks. I'm like, I'm getting out of these. I'm like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> Some black magic shit. <laughs> yeah. So that was um, me beating up a child. Um, still happens fairly regularly. In the gym. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, yeah, so I've known you for a long time and then we, yeah. we, we like, uh, I think we did Worlds twice or once and you you would stay with me when we did ADCC and stuff. So we're like seeing each other around quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Never trained with each other or no. anything like that. And uh, so I want to know kind of about your background a little bit. Oh man, my background's long. Yeah. Long and storied. Well, that's, um, per- <laughs> conveniently, <laughs> we're sitting down there for a while. So, so like, it, it kind of goes back to when we were talking about like the wild west of jiu-jitsu. So I started, I came from like a, a JKD background. So when I was 16, I basically, I saw my first Bruce Lee movie and I was like, I want to be Bruce Lee. But at the time, there was, there was very little around. I was in Cambridge, just outside Cambridge. Uh, there was a Thai boxing gym and there was a Lao Ga gym. Lao Ga is like a mixture of Kung Fu and kickboxing. Lao Ga, the only way I know Lao Ga is I'm pretty sure the villain in Mortal Kombat did Lao Ga. Okay, really? I, I don't know. I think so. Maybe, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a really weird style. So it was yeah. like full contact kickboxing and then you would do forms as well. Okay. Uh, it was very strange. So I was like, I'm going to do those things. I'm going to become Bruce Lee. Uh, and that's what I did. And then when I went to... What, univ- what age were you when you started? I was like 16, 17. Okay. Um, and then I went to university and there was a JKD club there. So I started doing JKD. Uh, my instructor at the time, a guy called Anton St. James, who later became my business partner, he would trained in a lot of stuff. So he's like a judo black belt. He trained in kung fu. He trained, obviously, JKD, the Kali. He was very heavily influenced by the Filipino martial arts. Yeah. Um, he was one of the first people, like back in the 80s, he set up like a, a, a full-time martial arts school. Wow. Uh, so a long, long time ago. Um, and he was very open to kind of me just going and doing the different things. So like when I was at university, uh, the club that I was part of held the first like Valetudo event. This was like 1999. Really? Yeah. And it was like, it was called the Open Valetudo Trials. And so it was guys from Plymouth University. And it was like, it was like the old school pancreas. So it was like heel strike, like palm heel strikes. No, no close fist punching. No, well, no it, 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 you had gloves on for stand up. And then when you came to the ground, the gloves came off and you were doing like the, the heel strikes. Whoa. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. So you take someone down. Yeah. Then the and, gloves come off. And, and they like, pause. Yeah. Get the fuck out. Yeah. And they take your gloves off. Yeah. And then you both people. On. Yeah. And then they carry on. Yeah. But if you stand up, they pause again. The gloves back on. <laughs> yeah, it was really bizarre. But this is the time though, right? No one knew what they were doing. Oh, I've never heard that. <laughs> so the, you always think you've heard it all. That's, yeah. a, that's a good one. I, it kind of it made sense because you couldn't get the MMA gloves. Like they were just impossible to oh, find. Oh, so you were wearing anyway. boxing gloves? Yeah, they were like the pro- they were like uh, they were bag gloves. So they had like the thumb. Yeah. 
uh, and so they were right, relatively lightweight. Because yeah. like, the only thing you had was bongsa. You know what bongsa are? They're yeah. like the big oh, kung yeah, the, fu. The, the, like Bruce Lee wears Bruce them Lee in that, yeah, uh, yeah. that. That's a bongsa. So that was all that you had that was even close to it. Yeah. But they're rubbish. Could you grab with those? Like, I don't. What, what, you, you can kind of grab. I don't. What was the point of them? Did you grab more than boxing gloves? Yes. Yeah, because you've got each individual fingers. But they're just way more padded and they look kind of cool. They do look a bit cool. You do. You feel like a kung fu guy, right? You feel like Bruce Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Solid. Um, So that was. So they they introduced that because James uh, Evans Nicole. Do you know James? He's fought in Cage Warriors. uh, Sorry, Cage Rage back in the day. Used to fight a lot. He was kind of getting into it at that time. uh, so yeah, they held this thing, and I was there, and I was like, oh, "That's cool." I, you know, I want to get involved in that. And you had like people like Aikido guys versus Taekwondo guys versus like boxers versus like it was cool. It was like proper, almost like UFC one type thing where you just had different styles fighting against each other. That does sound fucking win. cool. Yeah, it was cool, man. It yeah. was great. This guy called uh, John Nursey John, who was a, a, an ex Marine who had come out, and it was like he was a he won the the boxing. Uh, like in, into services boxing, yeah, so yeah. He, was, he was tasty. He's hard as fuck. Yeah, yeah he, he he nailed everybody because it yeah. just like such fast combinations, like yeah. super athletic dude, young. It just it was it was nice, uh, really nice guy as well. Um, so yeah, that was that kind of my introduction. My my instructor then like I I started getting more into like the ground side of things and the the grappling side of things. That's where I kind of enjoyed like through it through the JKD still. Yeah, through the J because we do a lot of that stuff. Um, I did judo when I was a really young kid, like ten twelve. Um, and kind of fell out of that due to various reasons. Um, and I, I, I found that I was better at like kind of the grappling side of things. Yeah. Um, and around that sort of time, Eric Paulson used to come over. So this is like 2002, 2000, yeah, 2001, 2002. Eric Paulson used to come over and he would teach in Exeter uh, with Andy Barker. So like a group of us would go up, we'd train with Eric for a little bit and he'd be doing like a mix of like the CSW, so his um, grappling side of things yeah. and like the striking. And then we'd come back and we'd just play around with it and do all our other stuff as well. Um, and we did that for a little bit. Uh, and then in 2004, went over to the US and trained with Eric for like a month. I was just over there a month hanging out. Nice, yeah. It was really cool. Uh, I got to, uh, I was uh, tr- helping train Ken Shamrock for when he fought chemo. Nah. So I was one of the sparring partners for Ken. <laughs> I think there might be a little weight difference there. It was a little bit of weight Were difference. Were you bigger at the time? Were you? No, I was like, I was smaller. I was like 64 kilos. Yeah. What are you now? You're like 70? No, I'm still about 66. Okay, 67. okay. But you've always, you've always been around the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I didn't go through the bulking phase like you. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went out and that was, it was a crazy, crazy time. Like we were, uh, like Eric was kind of going through a rough patch. So we were going out every night and like we were getting hammered and then we'd wake up the next morning <laughs> and train and train, but we were like in fight camp mode. So we were like driving, we'd drive down to like the lions then in San Diego and go and train down there with those guys. And like I was sparring Ken, like the first, Holy shit. do you know who Vernon White is? Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 So that was like one of men, uh, Ken Shamrock's like main guys at the yeah. time. Um, and the first, the first session that we saw of, uh, 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 of Ken's was like he was sparring with um, Vernon White and he knocked Vernon White down like on the ground Vernon's like laying back just yeah. you know, in a crumble mess and he looks at him and, and, and he goes are you okay? and then Vernon's just like oh yeah and gets back up and he goes well come on let's go and they go again and he knocks him down again and there's a me and this other guy Big, De- Big Dave I think his name was and we're just watching this just like oh, oh shit. this is gonna be bad yeah uh, that was the Lions then that was no that was actually a place uh, called Battaglia's Boxing um, in Be- Yorba Linda because like th- the lion's den is going to be something that means nothing to so many people. Yeah, it's but so iconic. Back in the day, yeah. There's like so many gyms that were... It's it's so funny how uh, as time goes, no one dominates. Yeah. 
like back in the day it was like the lion's den yeah and the and militic yes and like all of these big gyms and 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 obviously now it's like greg jackson's and yeah. ATT and ak and stuff like that gotta remember your history man you gotta go back um, and you learn got this it, stuff. you got it but so, yeah so like lion's den had like some i remember they had like a crazy thing they had like a crazy hazing or initiation and like so ken i think i think if you ever read his biography it's quite interesting no. i'm pretty sure he was in the military so he took a lot of those ideas and then brought them into like the mma environment yeah um, so they would do like crazy, crazy training and they'd be like knocking each other out left, right and center because they thought that was the best way to train. It was like a brutal, brutal like fight camp basically. Yeah. Um, and like he had, so he produced some really good guys at the time because he was kind of, it was, he was just coming out of the UFC. He was kind of in that pro wrestling and in the pancreas thing, um, which is kind of where he came from anyway. Mm. So you got like Frank Shamrock came out of there, Guy Metzger, Vernon White. And these were guys that were like either winning in UFC or they were doing really well. They were like yeah. winning King of the Cage, which yeah. is like one of those other events that people have forgot, which was so yeah, much yeah, fun. Yeah. Um, and he was like it, all of these guys. And this was like one of the main training places in, in the world, really, for guys yeah, to go was. and learn how to do MMA. Because that was there wasn't anything else at the time. And Ken was the, the go-to guy because yeah. he did well against Hoist. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was my introduction to Ken was seeing Vernon getting knocked down. How was training out there? Uh, it was great. It was really fun. Actually. I think Ken probably the first time I sparred with him, Eric was like, you just have to move and run away. And that's like, just keep moving. Try not to stand still. Don't let him hit you. And I was like, okay, I can deal with he's that. He's just going to come like, and yeah. just try and beat the shit. Well, so we were moving around a little bit and like, I was like, okay, I'm just standing with him. I'll throw a few shots, you know? So I threw a couple of shots. He's a fucking jacked up dude. Yeah. So he's like 220, 220 wow. pounds. So that's what, like 100, 100 kilos. kilos. Yeah. Uh, big guy, obviously really in shape, you know, if anybody, you just Google him. <laughs> you, you, you know, really in shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Uh, like really in shape. Yeah. And yeah. so got the, it like a fucking bodybuilder. <laughs> well, they got, all did though, right? The guy had like some of the biggest pecs I've ever seen. I know. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, brilliant. Uh, yeah. So uh, he, the first shot he hit me with, it was like a freight train connecting with my head. It was like it was like a karate, you know, like a karate run. It was like stiff arm, yeah. just crack. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh <God."> shit, <laughs> what have I let myself in? I was at that point, I was just running around, like avoiding everything. And it was like, it was, man, it was actually really, really fun. I. I, I did a few things, you know, I'm not going to lie. I almost took him down a couple of times. Yeah. He, um, and then we, so we were sparring. We did like uh, shoot boxing was the first thing that we did. And then we did like some groundwork stuff. And he really showed me like when I was rolling with him, I remember, um, he was, uh, so fast on like leg attacks. Okay, His, yeah. Cause he was really known for he that. Cause Pancrase yeah. was very known for kind of like, you had heel hooks in there. Like you the had the Japanese bars. side. Uh, yeah. always seemed to have like more of an influence. It did. Yeah. Leg locks. And, yeah. It, it, and again, like one of those things with people who have only been training maybe for the last five years or so, like the leg lock game has changed so much yeah. in recent years. Like back in the day, one, very few people did it. It was seen as like almost exotic. It I know. Was like, yeah. It was a different, you know, uh, prison rules, but also like <laughs> it was weird and different. But also, actually, if you look at it back now, like the leg locks were so basic, and they were like actually that shit would never work these yeah, days. Yeah, they were. They, I mean, they were still doing some really cool stuff. It was it was quite influenced influenced by like the catch and stuff, yeah the yeah. catch and the Japanese jujitsu stuff. So you can find like a lot of those attacks in Japanese jiu-jitsu and like the traditional mm. stuff they're just not quite as refined yeah so you'd see like you know the the, the texas clover leaves a lot yeah, where guys yeah. would like, like cross and then they'd go underneath yeah that was always coming up and but pancreas had that weird rule where you could grab the rope 
and it would let you out oh, of the they'd submission. Have the, they'd have to the release the sub. Yeah, it was really bizarre. Like that yeah. was the one, of the, and I think it counted as a catch or something like that. And you had to get five of them, and you could win a match. Okay, or okay. If they didn't get that, then it was like automatically at the tap, and the match would be over. Um, so yeah, it was like crazy rules, man. Crazy, crazy love rules. Them, yeah, love yeah. Them. Uh, so I did that, and uh, James Wilkes was training at the same time. Do you know James Wilkes? He yes. won Ultimate Fighter like season nine or yeah, something yeah. like that, uh, and he was training there at the same time. So I got to know him pretty well. Uh, so that was like 2004. I came back. I fought a little bit. Fought in some uh, amateur MMA and stuff like that, which is entertaining. This is like back in the day when it's been clubs, like nightclubs yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. I would still in nightclubs. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. Still nightclubs. Nightclubs. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It is. But like dirty joke. Yeah. Like working men's nightclubs. Not as good nightclubs. Not as good. <laughs> yeah. Not as good. Well, we, uh, so I I fought a couple of times in the Circus Tavern in Essex, uh-huh. which is like it's ghetto, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It was like there was. I think that they're still holding like jujitsu and MMA events. Oh, probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, it's, they had one. I think the last tough was in there. Yes, because that's uh, Lee Johnson used to yeah, run. Uh, used to yeah, run he used it. to run tournaments. Yeah, and the tournament that you fought in. Yeah, okay, I yeah. fought in like a couple of times in there, yeah. and it was like you'd walk out to the ring and just be like a cloud of smoke. Yeah, and like the first the first guy I ever fought was like this French guy, and he was like I was you know obviously English, and it was like the most partisan crowd that I've ever been involved in. They're like. Kill him, not the French guy. Like, like yeah. obviously with a little bit more fruity language. Yeah. But like, they were, they were. I was so happy that he was French <laughs> and I was English. And it was like, it was such a, uh, it was entertaining to say the least. Um, but yeah, so I fought a little bit of MMA, and then uh, Eric was the person that recommended I go and train with Braulio. Um, well, actually, at the time I was training, so I was training in a couple of different places when I was in the US. I was in. Uh, the Inner Santo Academy. I was at Eric's, which is in your Belinda. I was training down in the Lions mm. then. And some guys were coming over to the Inner Santo Academy um, from Birmingham, who trained, well, just outside Birmingham, actually, in Hale Zone. Is that Hale Zone? Yeah, Hale Zone. Um, Paul Kelly, who ran Martial Arts Concepts, another JKD place. And mm. they were training with Braulio at the time. So this is like 2004. And Eric was like, oh, when you go back, you should train with this guy. He's very good. Like Braulio uh, and Eric had trained together a little bit. Um, so I came back. Kept like kind of doing my thing, training a little bit, going to seminars and whatnot. And then finally, like the end of 2005, I finally hooked up with Braulio and st- started training with him. That's a long drive there. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. From Plymouth to Birmingham. Oh my God, man. I used to do that. So when I was training consistently with Braulio, I used to do it probably like once a month. For ADCC, when we fought in 2011, I was going up every week. I was how, long, how long is the drive? The drive's 200 miles. So it'd take me about four hours. Yeah. We'd go and train for like an hour, hour and a half, two hours, and I'd drive back and then have to teach in the evening. Fuck. Yeah. Because at the time, so when, when, when I started training with Braulio, you had, because obviously I was in Plymouth at that point, there was Pedro Besser, who was up in Birmingham. He was just up in Birmingham. Um, not in Birmingham, sorry, in Bristol. Bristol, yeah. And then Braulio was like an hour past, and I'd been recommended to go to Braulio. I was like, well, it's either a two-hour journey or like a three-hour journey, you know. And I was like, well, yeah. I might as well just go for the three-hour journey and go and train with Braulio. You know, so that's what I did. and it was it was it was crazy i used to wake up at like six in the morning like drive up to get to there for like 11 train for like an hour two hours drive back and then start teaching again at five wow and then i teach until nine and then go from there and that was like my training for a long time i was just hanging out with guys training with guys Mm. like i'd always show them what i knew so everything i knew i'd try and show the guys that was a bit of advice that eric gave to me like when i was coming back because there just wasn't there wasn't any jujitsu or anything to, to to do you know, and that's where my passion was. So it was like I had to train guys up to be to to, to help oh, in, me train. In the area, yeah, yeah. I mean, even back in two thousand six, there just wasn't that much. Yeah, you know, I mean, London was great because you had like you had Hodger Hodger Brooking. You yeah, had, like, yeah. Uh, Roberto Attila was somewhere around here as well. Birmingham had Braulio, and then you had like in the north you had Legato. You know, you had a couple of good guys to train with, but the rest of the country was like you a, dotted around. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, it was 
like a barren landscape. Yeah. You know, now there's like a black belt on every corner pretty yeah. much. You know, yeah, it's great. It's, it's crazy. You guys don't even know the hell. <laughs> <laughs> it is always funny when people moan like they've got a half an hour drive to train in. Oh my God. Yeah. When people say that to me, I'm like, what? <laughs> like I, I can't complain because I never actually had to travel that yeah. far. But, um, but I know a lot of people who did. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was I think it was like when I went over to the US and I realized how kind of much people were traveling. So we would like when I was training with the, going down to the lines then in San Diego, we were up in like Orange County. It takes us like an hour and a half, 2 hours to get down there. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is what guys have to do to train to get the day, right yeah. training. Yeah. Okay, then it, it kind of puts it in perspective. If I want to get to like a certain level, that's what I have to do. You know, yeah. I have to I have to go through that just ball like driving up to Birmingham and to go and do that. Um <clears throat> But yeah, so that was that was kind of my journey. I'd come back and I'd teach and I'd you know train with guys and I just kept doing that up until I got my black belt, you know. And yeah, that, I pretty much consistently for about five years did that with uh, up up to Braulios. Yeah, but you went and spent time. You you travel quite a lot to America, right? Yeah. So uh, after I after I got my black belt, or around the same time as I got my black belt, just what, after the what year, year did you get your black belt? Two thousand eleven. Okay. Um, I, my my back kind of went into spasm. Like I, I don't know what was ever wrong. It was actually something to do with my, like my hips were too tight, and it was causing the whole of the back to like lock into spasm. So like mm. four months, I couldn't really train. Wow. Um, I still had to teach, which was like horrible, <laughs> horrible. And yeah. we were doing like like what can you do when you teach? Like I couldn't even put socks on at some points, man. It was awful. That sucks. Um, yeah, there was. I was, I'd always thought like back pain. I was like back pain. You know, guys always complain at this. What are they even bothering about? How are you laid up on the sofa with back pain? Oh, back, back pain's fucked. Yeah, and it's when you have man. it, you're you like, only got one of them as well. Yeah, I know. It's like having a bad shoulder, and it's one of those things like, what, what's even causing it? You know. Yeah, uh, and it was just <laughs> like, why? Yeah, why? I don't understand what's I happening. Do, why, why can't I touch? Why can't I put socks on? Like, if you have back pain, socks are like they're a challenge in themselves. You know what what, I mean? It's why I'm so dexterous with my feet. I pick stuff off the floor with my feet. <laughs> for years, I couldn't bend down. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you gotta do, isn't it? Like, yeah. But, like, ugh, yeah. So I, I kind of like, um. I had to take a long time off and kind of recover from that and get back into it. Mm. And uh, w- once I'd kind of o- like gone through it, I uh, I was chatting to Braulio and he was like, you know, you should really go and train with... Like after the ADCC, the Mendez brothers came down uh, to Braulio's to do a seminar there. And I came and I trained with Guy and I trained with Haffa a little bit. And Braulio was like, well, look, you should really go and train with these guys. They're more your size. They yeah. have kind of a different style of jiu-jitsu. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So a year later, 2012, that was the first time I went out. And I'd got my, my gym down in Plymouth to the point that I could kind of leave for a month. Mm. Like all the classes were covered. I had people teaching everything. So I made it like a commitment um, to go and just spend a month kind of like uh, really immersed in a jiu-jitsu culture. Because I'd yeah. never, ever had that before. Yeah. I'd spent maybe like a week up at <clears throat> Birmingham sometimes. But to actually have someone teaching me and be able to train with yeah. guys every single day and coached for like a month was awesome. So I went out there and then at the end of the month I competed in the Nogi Worlds for the first time. Um, and it was like it was just a crazy experience and then I did that you won uh, no the first year I got third okay I fought um, what's the guy's name Escajito uh-huh. uh, who's like very good like you know he ended up beating me by two points but that was also like a, I was training a lot with um, I trained a lot with Haffer and Guy obviously but also Ed Ramos uh-huh. at that time and I was, so I was kind of one of Ed's main sparring partners because um, when the Art of Jiu Jitsu opened it was mostly like blue and purple belts were there and then Haffer and Guy there weren't that many high level sure. guys yeah. Um, and so the training camps, they did put on like a specific Nogi training camp for the Nogi Worlds, which was like a month long. And that's what I went out to, did that. And I was training with Ed a lot. He was like my main drilling and training partner a lot when I was there, which is really cool. Mm. Um, Ed's a really awesome guy. Um, and so he was fighting an adult. So I went up to master because I didn't want to fight him because I've been training with him for such a long time. 
And uh, yeah, I fought, uh, got through to the semis and fought Escajito, who, yeah, it was, it was a good fight. Like, I, he I almost, I, he beat me by two points, but I felt very comfortable in the fight. Yeah. And it was a nice experience as well, because I'd always kind of, I wasn't sure how I'd, you know, fare at that kind of level. level. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, and it, it woke me up to like how fast people move at that level as well, like the mm. difference in the speed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, after I did that, I felt, you know, I felt really good and I decided like every year to go back. So I'd come back and then from like October to November, I'd go out to the US and train. I did that just 20, once a year. Yeah, just once a year. And then yeah. the rest of the time I'd come back, do what I want, like go up to Birmingham, go and train a little bit with Bradley every now and again, just to, I really liked Bradley's way of teaching and like he would just crush me and squash me and it was funny. Ridiculous top pressure. Oh my God, yeah. Oh, Nobody man. realizes this. I know. He's uh, it, he's so long. That's yeah. the thing. Like, and if he gets like that head and arm position on you. It's fucked. And then he's that, got the best head and arm choke in the world. Oh, it's, it's insane. It's the best in yeah. the world. Yeah. yeah. Easily. Easily. He doesn't even need to pass to the other side I know. to finish it. He just it's so funny, it's man. It's I used to, it, it, it would always be my fight would be to stop him connecting his hands in that position. Yeah. I, I knew as soon as he got to that, I would be done. Yeah. Because he, he had this great thing where he'd like can control the upper half of your body and his bottom half would just pass your guard. Yeah. No matter what you did, he, yeah. he would get there. So the fight was always like, I've got to stop him getting his hands on me. I've got to keep him away and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I'd go up and train with him and kind of learn from him and then I'd go back to the US and I'd do like, because Masters, uh, yeah, Master Worlds or Senior and Masters as it used to be called or Masters yeah, and gi. Seniors. Yeah, the gi yeah. one would be at like the start of the month and then Nogi Worlds would be the end of the month sure. or vice versa. And that's when we went out there as well because we did Nogi Worlds in yeah. 2014, right? Yes. Yeah. That was the year I got my black belt, yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, that's what that's pretty much what I would do um, and then come back and teach. Was it like uh, training with the Mendes brothers? It was great. They are ridiculous. Yeah, uh, they're they're incredibly good. They taught me a lot about like uh, being like a smaller person, how to um, control like or handle bigger people's pressure, um, and the way that they like like they're always distance controlling. Like so, they're using their legs, their feet, always on like the hips to stop people coming forwards mm. and to stop like that's the best place for them to be. Um, and they really opened my mind to kind of the the idea of like competing and how to train for competition as well. Um, like the first. The first training camp I did with them was just insane. I'd never experienced anything like it. We used to we'd train at, they'd have comp class from twelve until one thirty, and then we'd come back and we'd train from six until nine, and it was like it was just all out. So you'd spar for three hours? Uh, no, it would be like technique. So there would be like the comp class would be predominantly sparring in different ways, different ideas, uh, with some idea like some drills and techniques and stuff put in there, nogi specific. What sort of stuff? Because uh, it does interest me how, like, like, uh, you know, what, what, when you say like how to prepare for for a competition, what sort of sparring, what sort of drills, and you know, what, what's the what's the system? The, I think that when you're in the comp classes, the comp classes are primarily sparring driven, um, and they use different round lengths. So, like, the longer the round, the less intense your sparring is. Yeah, hundred percent. The shorter the round, the more intense it's going to be. Yeah. So they vary that up. So some days you'd be doing like group of three training, which would be two minute rounds. Uh, we'd have three people in a group. So you'd do two, two minute rounds, then rest for two minutes. Yeah. And that's just like, and it, at those two minutes, the goal is like all out. You're trying to win consistently, yeah, yeah, not yeah. give up any points ever. And then you might do three minute rounds and then you would do like, you'd maybe just start do, from standing or always start from standing. Never start from knees. Not, not from knees, but like, uh, would they do like specific positions? Yeah. So they do other things like you, we might do, um, uh, specific training so you do like top bottom specific training like a couple of rounds of that yeah. followed straight into sparring from there 
And so you'd like they'd, they'd they'd be changing you, they'd be forcing you to work out of bad positions, and they'd have uh, you'd ha- end up with like negative consequences. So, for example, if you're on the back and your partner escaped, you might have to do ten press ups. Okay. And so you, the goal was to like hold that for a minute and work from there. Yeah. Um, and then we did things like yeah, we did all kinds of crazy stuff. Like we'd have rotation training. So rotation training is winner stays on in the middle, and it's first to score, first to submit. Yeah. I remember one of the f- one of the first classes we did there was like the f- end of the first week. It's like king of the hill. Basically, for yeah. ninety minutes. Oh shit! Yeah, but like, if you won, you just kept you. You stayed there. Yeah. Oh shit! It got to the end of the night, and like every the thing is, it's not you're not rolling. You're rolling with a certain intensity as well. Like yeah. everybody is gunning for you. So they're always one of the things that I noticed about them is there's 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 a, a respect for the belt, but when you're sparring with people, you don't. They teach them not to respect the belt. Like sure. they're just another guy. It doesn't matter what they've won in the past. Doesn't matter what level they are. You go out there and you like kind of fight them yeah. as best as you can. Um, so everybody's gunning for you all the time. Um, so in that, like you'd get like, you know, 30, 40 minutes in and you'd be done. Like, particularly if you'd been in the middle the whole time, 30 uh, minutes, King of the Hill. Yeah. Savage. Yeah. Literally. Like it, it was, it was insane. 90 minutes of that. I think I got to about like, I got about to an hour in. And then at that point I was just, well, you were just in the middle. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I, I like, I, I got like white belts would be just like sweeping me like with ease. Yeah. Cause I had nothing left. Yeah. Uh, but then is the point is you still have to keep going even at that Wait, exhaustion point. Are you, what? Are you st- you're forced to stay in the middle? Or- oh, so, okay, okay, I feel you. It's not King of the Hill. If well, it is winner you, stays on. It is winner stays on. Yeah. So, but if you've been in an hour, that means that you've st- you've won every yeah. match for an hour. Yeah. Okay. You can't be that fucked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it gets longer and longer as well. So, like, you you might it might take you like like five minutes by the end of it to actually sweep or submit yeah. someone. You know what I mean? Like, it starts off and it's quick. Like, everybody's like yeah, full yeah. of energy and full of beans, and then it gets longer. And, it's just a know. grinding. Yeah, and horrible. then you might get one of those guys that's that's like kind of athletic and tough who's relatively fresh yeah and you can't, can't do quite anything you can't quite get anything <clears throat> and it's just it's just a struggle and you start to get mentally beaten down yeah so yeah we do the stuff like that as well and they'd have um yeah all kinds of things man you know with that i mean that's no gear that wasn't but they do it gear as well like as someone who's trained at a lot of places and someone mm. who's really experienced and someone who you know is a head instructor at a gym as well how do you deal with the sweat you learn to deal with it, right? Because you're not going to... Do you remember ADCC 2011, right? Do you remember yeah. what the mats were like by the end of the day? What? Yeah. They were like so condensed... Like there was so much condensation, That's, so much sweat on it. That wasn't cause, that was because it. it was a fucking ice arena and it was True. moist there. True. But that's kind of the things you have to encounter. You have to get your technique to work regardless of what the conditions you're in. Yeah. I just feel like when, when you're rolling high volume in Nogi... You get like five or six rounds in. Yeah. I, obviously, it's going to be different for every gym because it's going to be different yeah. in, like environments but you're not doing jiu-jitsu anymore you're sliding you're sliding around yeah yeah like you can't do anything you can't yeah. grab it you can't you can't get anything yeah it's just shit yeah and i like sometimes i'm pissed off because <laughs> i should be beating someone up on a con or i'm actually feeling bad for someone else because i'm like yeah you can't pass god because you, you can't even base on the floor yeah how'd you deal with that you're just like you just gotta get through it man like, it's conditions yeah. you need to be a figure out how to pass when you can't like get any balance or whatever but you never it never gets that bad in competition does it no but you do get people that are super slick you know what i mean like if you've got like particularly guys that don't wear any rash guards when they compete you know what it's yeah, like you get yeah, 10 yeah. 15 minutes down into a fight everybody's kind of sweaty their chest is real bad yeah like you, you and then you can't like things start slipping out so you need to learn like how, how to close the space down how to stop that yeah i always feel like i'm gonna get injured more when i'm when it when it gets super slippery because yeah, you start basing out and yeah things like slide they slip and whatnot and, yeah uh, yeah it's part of it you know? need to invent some sort of uh matte material that yeah. absorbs water yeah. but without being disgusting by the end of it 
Yeah. The worst is new mats. Have you ever noticed that on new mats when it gets like, there's always like a sheen on them. Oh, yeah. And then you, oh, it's dis- well, no matter what you're doing, it's a disaster for the first month. Yeah. You know. You need to work it out. Yeah. So the, the other thing that was well was when we were doing the comp classes, there's no water breaks. So. Well, when you're rolling for night for an hour? An hour and 90 water? minutes. No water. What? Yeah. Why? Again, it's just like <laughs> mentally building you up. Was it? I think it was Kevin Randleman who would not drink water in between rounds. One of those yeah. guys. It's crazy. He just refused water in between rounds yeah. to intimidate his opponent. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. It's a good thing though, right? But if I... I, I disagree. Uh, right, okay. Because the idea is you have a hard round. You yeah. go sit back on your stool, you look over and the guy opposite you isn't drinking water and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. This guy's crazy. Yeah. I can't do this. <laughs> but if I've had a real hard round with someone and I go and sit down and I look over and he's not drinking water, I'm thinking, this guy's dehydrated as fuck. Yeah. I've got, I've got a chance I've got now. a chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's not cake taking care of his body. It's like, oh God, he's super dehydrated. This yeah. is this like, I get a boost of energy. But I think a part of it is like, you're obviously in jiu-jitsu, you've got the weight cutting aspect as well. So you've got like, Way fight straight away. There's no real hydration. So you have to learn to fight when you're uh, dry, dehydrated yeah. and dry. Oh, I don't cut weight, so... I yeah, no more me either. I yeah. hate it. You know, um, I just fight up the weight division. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I always do that because I was always like... I'd weigh in. I once weighed in for the Euros at 64 kilos and I was fighting in featherweight. So I was like a division under. Yeah. I was like, I couldn't be bothered with like a kilos a lot. Yeah, I did that world. I weighed in at like 77 for middleweight. <laughs> like I literally could have taken a shit this morning. I yeah. would have been a lightweight. Did the guy just look at you like, what are you doing? That's what he said to me. He was like, are you in the right division? I think he might have actually. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm this fine. It's yeah. all okay. Yeah. <laughs> the best is when I was like 60, I was 75 kilos. I entered like ultra heavyweight. Oh, good. Yeah. And they were like, uh, huh? Yeah, it's like I'm super dense, super <laughs> dense bones, really heavy bones. <laughs> oh, um, did you ever you ever do absolute divisions? I did a couple of them, and then I realized I was just too small, and yeah. there was like a diminishing returns thing. Yeah, like, I was like, I value myself. It was like when you like the first time you get sm- slammed by like a, a heavyweight, you're like, that, that sucked. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Again. I'm done with this shit. Yeah, um, stick to my division. Talking about your, so you, you have like quite an interesting history with the training, like you did the JKD and yep. the catch wrestling and stuff like that. Like, yep. did you did you get the certification for catch wrestling or anything like that? Did you do any of the training courses or? No, I'm not sure. Even at the time, there was a, a certification. I got like I got certified under Eric as like a level one coach. Okay, yeah, that's um, what I mean, yeah. that was it pretty much. Uh, and then you know I got very I got I got like black belts in kickboxing and uh, yeah. screamer and other different. Things Is there a lot like with the catch wrestling stuff? Do you think there's a lot? to bring into the grappling yeah absolutely i What's think any time that you can introduce new elements that aren't quite seen before it's always good um but what, ele- what elements do you think are there apart from maybe like some neck cranks there's some neck cranks the ways of kind of holding the body is slightly different as yeah. well um and that the attitude of like transitioning from submission to submission is very good so yeah. they have like a lot of uh chain and stuff yeah exactly and that's really useful for people to learn how to go from one if it's not working to suddenly be on something else and go yeah. up and down the body yeah, which you're yeah, seeing yeah. guys kind of doing a little bit more anyway they're like on the legs and they're suddenly on the back and whatnot yeah. and it keeps people on the back foot so to speak mm. um or to learn that if something's not quite working it's not like we keep persisting you know we do something else mm. and uh, uh, and change change it up um, I mean, I haven't trained catch in a long, long time, but I, I think the elements are really good. Did you ever compete in catch? No, no, there wasn't any any tournaments at that time. You should go do, uh, you know, the catch world championship. They did up in Lancashire or something, right? Yeah, yeah in Wigan. Is it? Wait, did you go to that? I thought it was, it was in Bolton. Yeah, I went. How was it? I went to the corner, Josh Barnett. 
<laughs> Are you giving him some really solid advice? I don't know. I, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> Take him down. Yeah, I didn't really need to, to help him much, but but yeah. So uh, yeah, he went and did the the. I, I might do it next year. Really? Yeah. What was the What was the rules? How was the rules set up differently? <sighs> it's a weird rule set, man. Okay. So, and there's different catch organizations have different rules. Okay, good. So this one, I'll see if I can remember it, was you can pin or you mm. can submit. But a pin is literally if your back touches the ground. Right, okay. okay. If both shoulders are on the ground. And do you have to hold them there? Like no. judo? Oh, it just literally... One second. Really? It's instant. Okay, that's weird. Instant. So there's other catch-ons where like, yeah, you've got to hold them for three seconds. Yeah. Uh, so I'm talking... You grab someone in a straight footlock, yeah, and you roll backwards, and your shoulders hit the ground. Done, really, like that. They blow a whistle. What's the reasoning behind that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I actually, there's a few like uh, of the big name catch wrestling guys in that area that I want to go and do a podcast with. A guy yeah. called Ian Bromley and a guy called mm-hmm. Roy Wood, I think. Yes, which is like really old school, the snake pit guys yeah. and all of that stuff. So I'd like to go and chat to him about it and yeah. like really get that perspective. But um, I don't know. I think it. The way that I see it is probably just very anti-jujitsu, if that makes sense. Yeah, because it kind of reminds me of like the judo mindset of like, I'm not going onto my back, so I'm going to flip onto my front. But as soon as you introduce the ground, like guys come in and get killed. Okay, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's no chokes. What? Without the arm on the inside. Like head and arm position? Yes. What? No RNC. No guillotine. What? Yes. (laughs) Why? I don't know. <laughs> None of this makes sense. So, but but the combination of these two rules yeah. make for a really unique yeah. style of competition because you have guys who will not go onto their back. So yeah. they turtle a lot, but they turtle with immunity from the RNC. Yeah. So there's not really a punishment for giving your back up, right? So... Uh, what the catch wrestlers would do is they'd, they'd like cross face and, and try and use that to either neck, they'd neck crank from the back. Right. Or they'd try and reverse the person onto yeah. their back from there. But they couldn't sink in an RNT. They couldn't come in front headlock and go guillotine. You had to have the arm on the inside. So you could do a guillotine with the arm in. Yeah. Uh, but of course, you run onto your back, is game up, and your yeah. shoulders hit the ground, it's game over. So there's some really interesting rules. I would be rubbish at this event. Well, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I think you probably wouldn't. Uh, there, there was. There were a few two jiu-jitsu guys rocked up basically, right. uh, which was oh shit! It's Dominic. Is it the guy down from Ben Brighton? Dominic Dillon. Okay, I think his name is shit. If I get that wrong, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Dominic Dillon and uh, John Hathaway. Okay, you know John? Yeah, he was in the UFC. Yeah, and uh, they smashed it. Oh really? Yeah, they did really well. But they both they're both really good yeah, jiu-jitsu good. guys, but they got very good wrestling. Yeah, so they they were taking people down and mm. they were submitting people as well. Um. But yeah, just it, it, it was interesting. I think about doing it because why not? What did they, in terms of the fight, what did it look like? Was it more kind of like a wrestling type match? Where Some of them did. So yeah. like uh, one of Josh's matches with one of the main catch guys in the UK, a guy uh-huh. called Ian Jones, I think. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Do you I know, know this? Okay. Just saying random names. Like, go, yes. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, they had like a super fight and it, it, he kind of just, backed away it was just standing for the whole okay. five minutes or ten yeah. minutes or whatever it was so there's a lot of that obviously there's no guard pulling mm. because if you yeah. pull guard your back hits yeah. the ground it's done 
so yeah, a lot of it was like takedowns and try and neck crank or reverse or try and pin the guy on his back. But a lot yeah. of the time, the guy would just try and roll out of a position. Yeah. It's all about keeping one shoulder off the ground at yeah. a time. And obviously, the person on top is trying to put you flat on the ground. But okay. the instantaneous pin is a crazy, crazy yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I get, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking like you should just go do it. Cause the, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because the belt's really cool. Oh, is it? Is yeah. it massive? Nah, it's, they're just cool. Okay. It's leather, okay. snake pit. Old school. Old school. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it looks like. Maybe. They look cool. Yeah. I think you should get more jujitsu. I love a bit of wrestling, man. I love a bit of wrestling. Well, they, if you got like, you're, like I want to do it, but my wrestling's really bad. So mm. I probably need to work on that first. But mm. I think it'll be an interesting challenge. You should yeah. think about it. Yeah. When is it? Uh, it you was in like them. September last year, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But it's an interesting way that they do it because it's like, a, it's not like a normal jiu-jitsu show. Yeah. There's like a, it's like a white collar boxing event. Oh, so okay. There's tables, so there's tables around. They serve dinner. It's in oh. like a, it's in like a function hall. <laughs> uh, it was, it was a nice setup to be honest yeah. with you. It was like nice but also creepy. Okay. Right. You're like, did you feel a bit more like a gladiator though with everybody watching? Uh, well, no. I feel like more of a gladiator on something like a Polaris okay. where yeah. they're not sophisticated. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I feel like uh, it, it was more like um, like you. It was like you were just fighting to entertain, right? Okay, royals or something yeah. like that. Okay, because everyone was in like suits and yeah. they were dressed up nice and smart, not looking like a bunch of degenerates at a Polaris or something like that. What are you saying about Polaris clientele? They're my favorite. <laughs> That's what I like. The best. Crowd. I look the, the most degenerate crowd. of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's interesting. So yeah, might okay. check it out. Um, so what I wanted to ask you about your, we, we, we took, spoke about your martial art background, yeah. but your background in gymnastics. Oh, this was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but I think that that's why you're good. See, I agree. Well, I was, yeah, I, was, I think gymnastics teaches like a lot of strength stuff, but a lot of like understanding and body awareness. Like proprioception. So. Yes, very much so. So very go on. So. Like when did you start? Uh... I started, I actually started in primary school and it was like a really basic uh, gymnastics. So we learned like so a little bit of tumbling. Oh, I would say nine. Because like, like I think that the best thing that you could do for your child is to put them in gymnastics. Oh yeah, I think it's amazing. But And like above jujitsu. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. I think it's a really to good thing with, to get people into. To begin with, I think that that's the case. Because like uh, you, you train kids? Yeah. You don't have any kids? You, you, no. Okay. But you train kids. So like, I just feel that all of these kids, and I hope that some of them do make it through. I just feel like all of these kids that are like five, six, seven, eight mm. years old and like mad on the jujitsu, yeah. they're going to burn out by the time they're like 17 or 18. Yeah. Not a lot of them make it through to adult. Yeah. I think if you like get them in something, like they do gymnastics, do that for 10 years till they're like 14, mm. 15, and then they're bored of gymnastics. Yeah. So you go, <laughs> you go, okay, cool. Fuck the gymnastics. Come, come to academy. Have you trained with like a high level gymnast? No. But I'm know. I'm gonna start gymnast. Oh, you gymnastics. should. Yeah, I'm going should. to. I was, yeah, I might go tonight. One of my yeah, it's a good one of my friends out in the uh, in the US, uh, Rick, who was one of the coaches at AOJ. He got really into it. He used to go down and like uh, once a week he'd have like a private and he learned basic tumbling and stuff like that. And his you know really helped with his balance and his yeah, and his coordination, all those kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm in the process. Yeah, it's yeah. great. My wife was doing it for again for a while. She yeah. got back into it. Uh, did learning. she used to do it before? She uh, yeah, she did, and she also was a diver as well. So okay. a lot of the kind of the same, like, like a, a lot of the, like, uh, a, yeah, uh, like Tom Daly. Yeah. Okay. American and smaller. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that she, she did that for a long time and they use a lot of the tumbling aspects and they, yeah, do, they cross train quite a lot. 
Gymnastics um, of the water. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Um, or gymnastics of the air. I guess the water is just kind of the landing pit. Yeah. You yeah. don't really do anything with the... The water. Diving's all about water, but it's actually nothing to do with water. No. It's, it's about... about oh, it's, yeah. It's yeah. about just air. Yeah. Like flying <laughs> gracefully. Air and the human body. Yeah, just spinning around. Yeah. You don't even like the water because you want there to be the smallest splash as possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you could get them into diving too. What's that? You get the kids into diving too. Yeah. That could be another thing. Maybe. Or maybe. both. Maybe. Summer sport, winter sport. So uh, so you got into gymnastics? Yeah. So I was doing gymnastics and it was really cool. It was like right at my primary school. So we'd stay after school. We'd train for like, you know, hour or two. I don't really remember. I was very young at the point. Yeah. Um, and like I learned basic tumbling, handstands, you know, how to like support my body weight, how to move my body weight. And I did go and train in Huntingdon at the Olympic gym there for a little while as well. Um, and unfortunately, my parents couldn't take me anymore when I was about... 10 uh 12 that kind of area similar time i was doing judo as well actually so i was training those two together and again it was great it was so much fun you learn how to move your body really well um i use like a lot of the movements now i recognize being very similar when i do jiu-jitsu like, like what um just the ability to kind of throw my body weight back you know i was uh training earlier today and i was like doing back rolls and stuff and it was like it's the same movement the way that i get up off the ground is really really similar well, when, you know, did, when did you stop doing gymnastics when i was about 12 when you were 12 yeah. so were you competing at uh, I competed in a few little competitions. Um, primarily, I was just training. But you remember, like, you remember your gymnastic stuff from all the way back then? I don't necessarily remember it, but my body remembers it. Oh, really? Yeah. But you, like, it never interests you to sort of get back into it or study it or anything? Yeah, I'd like to. We did, as I say, we did a little bit when we got back into the US. We started going okay. and playing around with it and stuff like that. And I realized... Can you still do shit? Or? A little bit, yeah. A little what bit. I've always you, been quite athletic. What can you anyway. do? I can do all sorts of handstands. Yeah? I can walk on my hands with ease. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to be able to do that. My wrists aren't flexible enough. They don't go back. <laughs> Typical problem oh, with no, jiu-jitsu. Yeah. 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 How just... are the fingers? Like? Uh, <laughs> my fingers aren't too bad because I don't train any gi. Oh, well, yeah. It's not the biggest secret. Yeah. If... Mine are awful. Are they bad? Oh, yeah. Like, look at this. That doesn't... Uh, it's yeah. the bend in my finger. Yeah. That one's even worse. They do look kind of fucked up now, yeah. now you get them out. They're just not flexible anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My my hands are they're so so they're so yeah. so. How are your knuckles? They're all right. I just don't. I don't. They're okay. My hands are all right. Now. I don't train any. I haven't trained gi for four since I got my black belt. Probably. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's an art to learning how to grip though. This is something I've been thinking about a lot recently. Yeah. Like people, I, certainly when I started, it was like everything was like just death grip on it. Yeah. And now I'm really my grip's more hanging. Mm. Like everything, I'm like hanging off a grip. Like, almost like I'm hanging off a chin-up bar. Is the best way well, have you seen like a uh, rock climbing? Yeah, like they they can do some ridiculous. Yeah, shit. like ridiculous. Shit. Yeah, like completely off topic, but I'm just going to tell you because then other people hearing this because I'm watched it and it's incredible. Heard of a film called Free Solo? No, it's fucking insane. Okay, just go watch it. What is it about? It's about a climber. Okay, these, these fucking climbers climb mountains without harness oh yeah 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 the free climbing stuff yeah by themselves yeah did you ever see the thing on top gear there was a guy i think it was uh, a drove up yeah jeremy clarkson versus a climber yeah and they had a race from like the bottom of a hill to a top yeah and like the guy's like like running up this hill you see basically. that crazy french guy with long hair uh the guy climbs, climbs buildings yeah yes yeah. yeah yeah he did yeah that shit as well i it's think nuts. he's dead now probably they all die yeah well that's obviously they all die <laughs> right yeah, well, it's, it's kind of dangerous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, there's a film called Free Solo, okay. which is one of the. It's a documentary. It's okay. one of the best films I've ever seen. Okay, it made me sweat through my hands. Really, in the cinema. Okay, wow. Actually, sweat profusely. How, how old my is hands. this movie? 
It's out right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll check it out. If it doesn't win the Oscar for documentary, yeah. I'm going to throw a hissy fit. <laughs> it's really good. You should go watch it. Yeah, but okay. It's fucking insane. But like you watch it, this guy, basically it's about this guy who climbed El Capitan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is a, like... Is he what? going for the speed record in it? No, it was no one's ever done it. Oh, okay. it's like one of the hardest yeah, yeah. climbs that you could do. Yeah. And very few people can climb. It's in Yosemite. Yeah. Very few people can climb this face. He's going, I'm going to climb it. It's 3,000 foot climb. I'm going to climb it with nothing. Wow. And, but he's holding... And the reason why I mention it is he's gripping fucking nothing. Yeah, I know. Like, actually nothing. Like, I don't... It's crazy. Like, it? It, it, it defies the laws of physics. Yeah. How these people can hold off with, like, just a little... It doesn't make sense to me. It's completely illogical. But, yeah, so... so but, but in climbing, like, you don't grip really hard. You kind of, like, hang from it. Yeah. And even, like, with the arms. Now, obviously, that's, like, a difference in jiu-jitsu because you don't want your arms to be to be long because you're going to get subbed by it. But uh, they'll, they'll hang and, like, you don't want to be hanging with, a with like, a bend in your yeah. arm. You want to be hanging, actually, and letting, kind of pulling with the fingers. Uh, so going back to, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, instead of trying to fucking crush everything with your yeah, hand. Just hang, man. Just hang back th- on it. I think there's a really good crossover to, like, learning how to climb properly. Yes and gi jiu-jitsu yes absolutely but like not just going to a climbing wall and climbing up it because you won't do it properly but actually learning taking yeah. a few taking a few, a few privates yeah. yeah learn how to do shit properly yeah I, th- I, I think certainly from my perspective I get so into jiu-jitsu sometimes like particularly when I'm training a lot and it kind of it almost burns me out to keep doing it yeah so I like to find other things that I can do that are still active they're going to help still going to help my jiu-jitsu yeah. but not doing jiu-jitsu like climbing or you know, we used to go trampoline parks. One of our ways to weight cut was trampoline parks. Really? Have you, yeah. Have you ever trampoline for an hour? Yeah, it's crazy. Oh my god! And the you, amount you put of your legs suit as well. Uh, which else? I wouldn't. I was like just in shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. But yeah, even that, you're like, you know, you sweat like sweating fun. like crazy. But your legs afterwards yeah. as well, because the trampoline you can you start flipping around, flipping off walls, yeah, and doing all kinds. Of, and if you if you land badly, you just kind of like bounce back up. It's yeah. not a problem. It's so much fun. Great way to wake up. It, it's true. You kind of find that's kind of what, what I do with a lot of the lifting stuff, which is yeah, like I'm trying to do things because it will help my jujitsu, but it's not jujitsu, so yeah. you get bored of it. Yeah, it means you can do it for a long time. Yeah, you exactly. train for like probably 20 years jujitsu. Uh, no, no. I started with Bradley. As I was saying, like 2000, end of 2005. I guess uh, okay. So I guess you're doing like been, the JKD martial arts. I've been training arts. martial arts properly since I was 17. So okay. oh yeah, like 20 years. Yeah. 20 years this year. Uh, yeah, 20 years this year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it does help, but yeah. but yeah, with the with 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 the fingers thing. Also, the other thing when I did train in the gi, mm. I'd never take sleeve grips. Oh, okay. I always take pistol grips. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, interesting. Because they don't fuck your hands up at all. Yeah, they're because, definitely a lot easier. Because I've, I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before. It's very difficult. I've done so many of these now. Yeah. It's the 65th <laughs> episode Is it? that I've done. I feel privileged. That doesn't even include the uh, discussion one. So I'm probably closer to the 70 episodes. Wow, it's a lot of talking. Yeah, yeah. I don't is. remember what I've said. Thankfully, you, lose, you can talk a lot. Yeah, well, apparently so. But you lose track of what yeah, I've said in course. real life and what I've said in podcast, podcast life. life. <laughs> so I don't know. But I guess a lot of people haven't listened to all of them. So, you know, I can go yeah. over stuff. But yeah, so like, uh, imagine you take a sleeve grip like this. You need to assume that you're going to lose grips at some point. Mm. Like someone's going to remove your grip. For you to, re- for someone to pull out a sleeve grip, like a standard uh, pocket grip, yep. your fingers are going to get ripped open backwards. Yeah against resistance yeah. it's like a dynamic negative yeah it's horrible and oh, that's yeah, why yeah. you get fucked up but with a pistol grip when it gets pulled out your hand doesn't move shape yeah so your fingers don't move yeah so then they don't get fucked up the geese just slipping through it right? geese just slipping through yeah. but then everyone's like well it's not strong yeah now here's the thing like 
I developed my grip strength doing weights. Yeah. So my closed hand support strength yeah. is stronger than my hook oh, finger okay. strength. Yeah. So actually, I felt stronger because yeah. it was less painful. I felt stronger holding pistols than I do holding sleeve grips. Yeah. I just know from the guys that I compete against, I wouldn't be able to get a pistol grip on their gi most oh, of the time. <laughs> the sneaky time. fuckers. Yeah. Like it's, it's insane. You should go bring your own, uh, like, gi tester. Yeah, exactly. Those just, they've got the thing shot. But man, those guys get away with so much. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. <sighs> that is true. That is true. Yeah. My phone is, uh, so my wife's, like, pretty small. Yeah. She has to wear kids' gis a lot of the time. Really? Which is hilarious. They've always got elasticated gi pants. <laughs> so I can't, there's no way I can birambolo her. And I can't leg drag her because I can't control her no. hips. <laughs> so I like, go to grab her. Yeah, because like, they're like they're, they're like uh, tracksuit bottoms, aren't they? On the kids. Yeah, they're like they're like elasticated gear. <laughs> <laughs> this is unfair. So we'll be demonstrating something. I'll grab it. And I'm like, oh, just there's no point, is there? There's no point. That is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. They should just cut. They should just make smaller geese. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, yeah, the scrap. They've started doing it with like yeah. women's sizes and stuff like that. You but just she, start a petition because this is bullshit. Yeah. Or I did. I did. Or, I, you get someone to make. Uh, Kid style gi bottoms for you, so she yes. can't do it back. For yes, you. Ben, Matt, you're listening. <laughs> Come on, we need like a, we need, she, she was, was like wearing, an A one uh, kids gi. Yeah, there's so many. Uh, yeah, please, uh, there's so many uh, like of her competition version whatnot, and she's in like a scramble kid gi. Like you remember the one like eat your vegetables and stuff on it. It's like an adult of the world. <laughs> Is there a gi that says eat your vegetables? <laughs> Like on the inside, it says, listen to your fat or eat your greens. That's fucking brilliant. That is brilliant. She's like a superhero. So funny. (laughs) So, so funny. But yeah. (laughs) Oh man, that's funny. Yeah. So yeah, so you've been in the game for a long time. Yeah. And you've had a lot of success. You might be one of the, I think you might be one of the most successful UK competitors. I've done done all right. Yeah. I've done all right. Like for, like it. For the Masters division, I think that's almost impossible to argue. You've won, you've yeah. won world championships three times. I won, I won, yeah, I won three in a row. All at black? All at black belt, yeah. Three in a row. I know, fancy times, right? Uh, I, I would say I've done really well. Dickie Martin is another guy that's done yeah. incredibly well at Masters. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been, I've been, I've been fortunate. I think I've, I've uh, I, yeah, I did all right. I did all right. I, I don't think fortunate is. The <laughs> Like someone has blessed you with yeah, uh, they blessed with, me with mad jujitsu skills. No, I no, think I just I worked hard, yeah, and that was it really. Uh, yeah, and I put a lot of time and energy, and I was in a position to be able to do it as well. Yeah, um, I think the other thing is I think uh, teaching from a very I taught started teaching when I was a, like almost instantly when I started. Yeah, I was teaching jujitsu, and I think that really helped me understand jujitsu at a at a earlier on than a lot of people because I wasn't just going through techniques; I was yeah. having to learn a technique figure out how to do a technique and then figure out how to explain it back to people mm. and that really helped me get like develop under- an understanding of the concepts and whatnot yeah i started teaching jiu-jitsu when i was 16 oh wow yeah, yeah. i've been teaching jiu-jitsu for 11 years wow no 12 almost 12 years good gracious yeah i started teaching soon after like uh just after i got my blue belt i think wow a couple of years into it but it's kind of fucked up now because everyone says this like all the black belts mm. All the black belts these days, or like all the high level guys, were started training at a time where there wasn't a lot of high level guys. Yeah. So all all of the high level guys now started teaching very early, yeah. like at blue belt. Yeah. Usually all of them, or purple belt, the latest. Uh, so everyone listens and they're like, "What we need to do?" To like, you hear a white or a blue belt goes, "I need to start teaching jiu-jitsu. Yeah. This is what." But you can't do that now. No, no, no. Because there are people who teach yeah. jiu-jitsu. 
It's fucked yeah. up. It's it's a we got yeah. it. We got into the right time. Yeah. Oh, where absolutely. You could teach jujitsu as a blue belt. Yeah. And not be burnt at the stake. I know. You can't do that. Now. No. No, it'd be very difficult to do. Really, and what do you really do? Do you just like teach your mates? Um, I think there's. You know what? I've I've. I think there's some great, really really good, uh, like blue belt instructors out there. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people when they're starting out, I know if I teach jujitsu to a beginner. I'm going to go often so deep into jiu-jitsu yeah, and like yeah. start talking about random stuff they don't need. Yeah. Whereas like a blue belt, they're excited, they're fresh, and their understanding is a little bit more simplified so they can get the idea across to people a little bit better. Yeah. And then once people have a general understanding of jiu-jitsu, then they can go on to learn from bigger, better people. You know what I mean? So that's, I think there's still a place for those people to be teaching at that level. Um, and it's good for them to do, you know. It's great for them to be able well, to do Well, that's what, that. I, I think it's just hard because no one... If you saw someone was teaching, if you saw a blue belt teaching, you're just going to mm. go, why wouldn't you just go and train with the black belt? It's around yeah. the corner. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and, and, and like, the reality is, the blue belt might be a better instructor than the black exactly, belt. Exactly, yeah. Like, there's a, a lot of those around. I remember, uh, you must, you probably remember this as well, back in the day when like, you'd get guys coming over to teach seminars. Yeah. And there would be like, just collections of random techniques that have no link or yeah, anything like that. And like, we, we, you know, we talk about like instructors with like phones on the mat, just kind of texting their friends and yeah. whatnot, like eating pizza. You know what I mean? Like that still that's, happens now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think if you get a guy that's like a blue belt and passionate, they're going to get people that are, are, are able to like stick with them and stay with them because they prefer that service to having a, a non-engaged black belt instructor. Yeah. And I think they'll often do better than that because of that, because the, the, the blue belt is more passionate, more engaged into it. And they, at like a white belt level, yeah, you know, I, I think it doesn't make any difference if you've got a black belt. It, it really doesn't. You know, I you said can, this to people. Like, yeah. uh, they'll come in, someone will come in and they've never trained jiu-jitsu before. It's terrible business on my behalf, but yeah. they'll ask me for a private and I'll go, yeah, it's probably no point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it if you want, yeah. but it won't be worth your money. Yeah. You might as well, like, there's probably nothing that I, the guy over there who's been training for a year could probably teach yeah. you just as, you know. They'll probably teach more relevant stuff as well. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, th- I think a big part of jiu-jitsu is just time in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. You know, and learning just how your body works, how to move other people's body. And like, I can try and talk to you about the concepts of understanding and give you little tips and whatnot, but you still need that time to be able to do it. You know what I mean? And Yeah. You know, white belts, blue belts don't need that. I think maybe, uh, maybe it's just like uh, when someone comes in, you just get your students to kind of help yeah. teach you a little bit, which now I think about it. Yeah. Like when you come in and like, if, uh, if I've got a new guy or a relative beginner, you pair them up with a blue belt yeah. to help them go through the yeah. techniques. The blue belt's going to be teaching them. Yeah, exactly. So if you're listening to this as a blue belt and you're thinking about opening an academy because everyone you hear <laughs> is good, says that teaching is what got them good, yeah. just be a better training partner. Yeah, help each other out. Like, <laughs> like offer to insist in classes, man. Do things like that. It'll help, your, it'll help your instructor out. It'll help you out. It'll do all those kind of things. But at the same time, don't try and correct people of a higher grade than you. Because <laughs> don't, don't be that guy. No. <laughs> No, please don't be that guy. I saw, I can't remember who it was. I'm obviously not going to say their name, but I can't even remember who it was. But I think like, I heard there was a story of someone, one of one of the guys in my gym was like trying to correct fucking like Lea Teixeira or some mad shit out in Brazil. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just like, stop. Or like Mauricio or someone like that. Yeah. Like, you need to stop talking now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think... <laughs> 
don't do that. Please don't do that. There's uh, a line. There's a there's a there's a point I think where it's important to asking questions of your instruction. Yeah. Of your instructor, it's that's an important thing and about why they do it certain ways. But correcting them is never a good idea. Yeah. Don't ever do. I that. always look forward to when that happens because I can I can call someone out and make a, <laughs> make a joke of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you you teach you teach a. Rolling Dojo? Yeah, we uh, myself and my wife have a gym in Cambridge, just opened up called Rolling Dojo. Uh, it's going really, really well. Really, really well. We're running out of space, which is a bit of a problem. Um, it's a nice gym. <laughs> it is. It's I really well set up. I haven't been there, but it's a, it, it was with it's with Mark, right? Uh, well, no. So originally, it, it's a really crazy story. Um, I was down in Plymouth for about eighteen years, and I realised like like my parents were getting older, and I wanted to come back up to Cambridge. And there's not really a lot of jujitsu in Cambridge. There's like two other gyms, yeah, but they're not like you know uh, big gyms, and I wouldn't say they were like really about growing jiu-jitsu in the same sort of way um so it was always kind of like i want to get there that's where my parents live seems like a logical decision yeah when i got married chelsea was like i'm not going to live down in plymouth it's in the arse end of nowhere it's too far away which it is uh it's far far away from a lot of things (laughs) yeah oh my god uh so what happened was um we moved up and we were looking for a unit to open and the guy luca who uh who's our business partner now had literally like a week before we moved over in fact, a week after we moved over, he was opening up a gym. So we went down and we were just like, you know, can we use the space to train? You know, do you mind if we come to some of the classes? And he was like, um, well, do you want to teach a class? And we were like, yeah, okay, sure. So we started teaching a class. And he was like, well, look, can you do this regularly? And we are like, yeah, for sure. And we are like, you know, we're still going to look for our own place in Cambridge, more central. Yeah. And it kind of grew like that. Um, and then Mark was involved uh, for a while. Uh, he's he's moved on now because he just couldn't commit to the schedule. Sure, like yeah. it, it was like they were opening just a gym for like white belts and whatnot, and then suddenly you get myself and and like Chelsea. Chelsea is like, you know, she won worlds of brown belt. She competed yeah. at Polaris. She's won all kinds of different things. Yeah. She won Nogi worlds, uh, Nogi Europeans last year. She's really good, like high yeah. level competitor yeah. in herself. She's been training longer than you have. Really, yeah. she started when she was twelve. Wow. And she's thirty one now. So wow. she's like a huge wealth of experience. Trained with wow. Andre Gavao and the Mendes brothers. That's and awesome. Like, it's crazy yeah so you've got myself and chelsea like coming into this gym and like you know we we know how to structure classes we've been obviously running and work like you know i I spent a bunch of time she taught uh, art jiu-jitsu i taught about jiu-jitsu you know we have like a lot of experience to bring to kind of the the table Mm. um so the the gym suddenly grew from where it was like just white belts and a couple of kids to it could actually be like quite a big legitimately we've got like black belts we have like a whole crop of brown belts and purple belts and blue belts like that are training with us we get people coming in and all kinds of stuff and it kind of grew past where mark could help in that way because he's just got so many other commitments with like his events and with work and all those kind of things yeah so he kind of stepped back from that so yeah, it's it's going really really well. The gym's set up fantastically. Nice. Um, we literally, as I say, we're running out of space. That's our biggest problem right now. It's a problem, but it's a good problem to have. It is a great problem to have. Yeah, really good problem to have. Uh, but yeah, it's nice. It's nice. 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 And uh, do you, do you still get a chance to get away from there and to go and train? At the moment, not so much as I'd like. Uh, I think when you're starting a gym from scratch, which is pretty much what we've done. It takes a, a, a while to start building up. Now we've got people coming on board that are assisted, like, you know, helping to teach classes and cover classes and whatnot. So we can c- kind of step back a little bit. If we need to go away to seminars or to compete, we can start to do that now. But it's taken like a, at least this year, like last year, to really you see, get it you to kind that of, point. You, you, you made that happen in, a, in your gym in Plymouth. Yeah. Because, like, I'm kind of thinking of that from, like, yeah. just me personally because 
you know, like I'm interested in opening a gym, but at the same time, like I also want to be able to go out away and train yeah. for long periods of time and like don't want to be tied down for the rest of my life to like just yeah. be training with a f- the guys at the gym. So I think the most important thing that any instructor can do is figure out how to train other instructors as quickly as possible. Mm. Like from day one, you want to get people helping and assisting in classes. And it honestly doesn't matter what level they're at if they're assisting, particularly with like with kids and beginners and whatnot. Like if they're there mostly for crowd control a yeah. lot of the time to stop people running in to be a dummy, and that's how you start to teach people and grow people. They learn the format of your classes, you know. They start to emulate how you teach a technique, like the attitude that you have within a class, yeah. which is so so crucial. And they're they're going to develop over time, and that that allows you to replicate yourself, you know, and developing the the kind of systems within the business to um to to just remove yourself. That's what mm. I'm actively working on all the time is always re- always trying to replace myself in the business in different ways. So other people, like, you know, technology, whatever I can to, to free up my time to do that. But Yeah, because you, you like do a lot of online stuff, don't yeah. you? Yeah, absolutely. I got uh, two years ago. Uh, so my friend threatened to stab me in the leg. Matt Chapman, thank you. I wrote a book. I wrote a book, which was like a really short little book okay. called Performance Drilling, which is just kind of my ideas about how to drill. Because drilling, you mostly see for most people is like, Here's a technique. We go through it slowly three or four times and that's it. Yeah. But I, th- I like from training with Brawley and from training with the Mendez brothers who are like very hot on drilling. Yeah. I started to take, it, yeah. yeah, I start to take other ideas and look at other ways to drill. Like judo, for example, like the, when they do the three entries and then throw, it's a really great idea Yeah, because the hard part of the technique is not finishing it often. It's the entry part to get yeah. to it. So if you, you, you translate that across. So I took these different ideas that I have formed them into like a book and, I, I was thinking about like maybe I can sell it online and Matt was just like just give it to people and so okay, I gave yeah. it out to people yeah. and it kind of grew and then I started just giving more and more stuff away to people and you know like I've set up I set up like an online training site because yeah. and primarily for people that were in my situation where they don't necessarily have access to uh, an instructor or their instructor is not necessarily giving them the help that they need so I set up something like an online place that they can um just get that support really so i create like you know training plans for people i put up like the majority of my seminars go up on there as well classes that we film i film other techniques uh i do a lot of match breakdowns i get like guest experts guest experts in so like mike lengths there's like there's a whole ecosystem it's not just about like this is some jujitsu techniques it's like well here's some jujitsu techniques but this is how you're going to learn them uh, this is how you're going to work on them. And it forms like a complete structure for people that just want something extra or need something extra, yeah. you know, in a format to have them in. So that's kind of how it's developed, really. But I still put out a huge amount of content as well. <laughs> mm. No, it's cool, man. It's cool. Yeah. Um, you know, because I think you're, you're, you're in an interesting situation where obviously you've been very successful yeah. in, in competition and you've trained with a lot of guys. And you're a smart guy who's like obviously looking to, uh, you know, pick up knowledge and yeah. to learn things and to develop and stuff like that. So kind of just like going over the basics to get an idea of uh, like where your head's at in the certain things. Like, do you do any shrimp conditioning? Yes, I do. You're, you're pretty, you're pretty jack guy for. I like to think my shoulders are like flipping. <laughs> yeah, big dude, man. I'm um, blaming the gymnastics for it. Might be, might be. Yeah, they're like cannonballs. Uh, that's what I was going for. No, I, I used to do a lot of strength and conditioning, and then I started tailoring it down. Um, so I started working with a guy called Will Bade, knocked down in Plymouth, who had worked with a lot of boxers, and he'd also trained jiu-jitsu as well. And he put me through like a strength and conditioning program for like about a year, which is like a traditional periodization model. So we had like GPP, and then uh, we did a, a strength phase, and then like a power phase, and then yeah. like a competition phase. And that's what we were running throughout the year. 
um, and that was great. Uh, but it cut my conditioning down because prior to that, I was into like a CrossFit type mentality, okay. where I was doing like wads left, right, and centre, and overtraining, and and all kinds getting of things. Getting injured a lot, not necessarily, but I was just getting burnt out a lot. Have you ever have you ever been badly injured? Um, uh, t- fingers, toes, ankles. Those aren't. Uh, they don't count. Shoulders. My back. That was my worst one, probably. Yeah. Um, other than that, I'm pretty, sound like, pretty okay. Like, I do have theories about, uh, not my theories, but like, there's a lot of research that would suggest that, like, doing sport as a kid builds your body a lot more resilient. Yeah, I agree. Because one of my problems is, like, I never did sport when I was a kid. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, up until, like, I never took any sport really very seriously yeah. until I started jujitsu in my mid teens, mm. which meant that I'm more prone to injury yeah you don't develop that strength as a, a kid like the tendon strength and the yeah. muscular strength yeah yeah exactly just like uh, your body doesn't develop in quite the same way so i think yeah i agree it's, it's so important if you have kids to get them to do fucking something get them to do something <laughs> do anything because otherwise it'll be fu- like literally yeah. like uh people think they're protecting their kids i read a book um really really good book called i think it's called history of the human body okay uh and it's, have you read sapiens no it's like everyone's the book that everyone recommends to everyone is so cliche now <laughs> but i read it ages ago and it's a really good book and uh it's kind of like the history of mankind okay. uh really really interesting okay. like recommend everyone recommends it. it's like okay. the most one of the most recommended books in the world but it's really good and there's another book called history of the human body i believe which is kind of like half like sapiens uh-huh. but half of it is like uh the history uh-huh. and then the other half is sort of like with that history in mind here are some actual practical things that you can think about okay. doing and implementing into your life yeah. one of them is like kids don't exercise um you think that you're looking after someone by you know letting them do whatever they want or yeah. molly coddling them and stuff like that sitting on the sofa all day and then like w- women who didn't do run or didn't do sports as a kid their osteoporosis yeah. levels when they get older like they become very fragile yeah. they become very broken yeah like if you the, the the way that they put it in the book is basically like a if you wanted to create a a robot for doing a certain task, mm. if you knew what that task was, you would design it in, yep. with that in mind. So if you were going to do, you know, if the robot needed the work in the desert, you would make it sandproof yeah. and heat resistant and stuff like that. If it was going to work under water, you've got to make it waterproof. Like, well, if you're going to make a robot and you don't know what it's going to do. <laughs> Okay, so if you're going to make a robot, you don't know what it's going to do. You don't know what environment it's going to be in. You need to make it so it can adapt to that environment. And that's what a human is, right? Yeah. So like a human is like a a creature, doesn't know where it's going to be born. Yeah. Doesn't know like uh, whether it's going to be in a hot place, whether it's going to be a cold place, whether they're going to be walking all the time, whatever's going to happen, the environment. So you need to make them adaptable in those early years. Yeah. So if you don't do anything for your early years, you're fucked. Yeah. Because you didn't adapt to anything. Yeah. You know? Even down to like, uh, I think like, pe- like people who uh, live in hotter climates, they literally have more sweat glands <laughs> or bigger sweat glands. Like they're literally adapted yeah. to those sort of things. Interesting. So if you have a kid and you just let them fuck around and play on their iPad until they're 12, 13 years old and then they want to take up sport because, you know, they don't want to be a skinny kid no more. And you realize that actually you kind of fucked them because yeah. they never did anything when they were younger. I mean, when I was a kid, we were like, I lived on a farm, right? So we were out just all the time causing so my injuries more i've got way more injuries when i was a kid than i have doing jiu-jitsu yeah like i I once dropped a concrete block on my foot and broke my foot man you've got like the perfect athletic combination i know you the gymnastic strength yeah and the farmer strength farmer strength is the is the way forward but very very soon you're gonna have old man strength as well i'm getting there i'm getting there 
it's going to be amazing. <laughs> um, but like, so my parents were like, they would put me to work on the farm half That's the time. So, cool. so I'd like, we used, to, we used to have a lot of potatoes when I was a kid. So I'd be lifting up like, I don't know what it's hundred weight. I don't know what that is in old money or yeah. in new money, right? It's is like that pow- pounds. I don't. That can't be a hundred pounds. Hold I would have like nine. So picking okay. up a hundred pounds <laughs> seems like a lot. It might be like twenty kilos or something like that. But okay. that's quite a sizable amount. When I was a kid, I used to pack them and do that. Like we'd work on the fields. Like I've always had that. Like we were just outside doing stuff the majority of the time when we were yeah. kids running around, you know, and then doing all the sport on top of that. We were like active kids. That's you what know. I'd like to do. I'd yeah. like to buy a farm and like make my kids grow up yeah. fucking working, flipping hay bales working. and shit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it taught me a good work ethic. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely think doing something is, 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 is important. You know, mm. you have to do something. Um, I always thought when, when going back to like the jujitsu and conditioning type of things, the less, so my training was always relatively limited by training partners. And the volume of people that I had to train with. Your jiu-jitsu training? Yeah. yeah. So I would always, I would do, if, if I was training jiu-jitsu less, I'd do more strength and conditioning yeah. to get the balance. The more I train jiu-jitsu, the less I do strength and conditioning. Sure. Um, if that makes sense. Cause I, I, yeah, 100%. I, like, I like, do the same thing like, uh, yeah, to but, compensate for not being able to maybe get as high-level training partners as I'd like. Yeah, more. you switch it over, right? Yeah. So the first time I went to the US, I tried to keep up like a strength and training thing. Like whilst I was training, you know, we talked about like f- I'd gone from like training maybe two hours a day to up to like four, five, six hours a day. And my body was just like, no, we, we're not going to do this. So yeah. I completely, I didn't even bother trying to do that. For the month that you're out there? Yeah, for the month I was out there. I, I think didn't like, need to. what's the point? Yeah, it, it just didn't benefit. Like you're me. out there to do jiu-jitsu? Yeah. I think if I went away for a month to train jiu-jitsu every day. Yeah. I won't bother lifting yeah. anything. No. What's the point? There's no point. There's no need to. Like, they, I was getting training so hard that I was just, I couldn't do anything else. Um, and now, like, with setting up the gym and I'm teaching probably six or seven hours a day at the oh, moment. Shit. Like, a lot of teaching. Like, um, Is that classes or Classes and well? privates and just all kinds of other stuff that we've got going on. It's a lot. Yeah. Teaching, so now what I'm doing is um, my friend Jamie uh, Afro, uh, now just a purple belt under Braulio. Oh yeah, I know. You know Jamie, right? Yeah, he's doing the strength. He's got the three uh, three x ten stuff. Three x ten. So I spoke to him, and he's written me like these um, very short fifteen minute workouts that I can fit in five times a week. So it kind of comes from I heard. Workout? Yeah, yeah. So, no, it's like uh, so. It's um, typically like some sort of prehab slash stabilization type stuff, followed by like a major lift and like something. one major lift. Yeah. And then so it'll be like a. What was I doing yesterday? Uh, he just got his purple belt. Yeah, he's been. It was a blue belt for ten years. Yeah, I've known that guy for fucking I ages. Know. He was like, he was in one of my first classes whenever I went, when I went to like oh, this damn. is Stevie B's back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Was I was a white belt then. Um, but yeah, so he like very very short workouts that I can do more consistently than trying to squeeze in like an hour. Yeah, training, and it comes from. Um, Oh, what's the TriStar guy's name? Faraz Ahabi. Okay, he yeah. was on the Joe Rogan thing. He was like, yeah, yeah. all I'm doing is like, if I fit something in consistently, it's going to do me better than trying to do something inconsistently. You sure. Know, longer, but inconsistent. So now I'm doing like 10, well, 15, 20 minute sessions every single day, five days a week, pretty much. You do what you do in the morning or? No, just before class. So I start oh, teaching really? at four. So I get, or five, sorry. I get to the gym at like four, train for 15, 20 minutes, go into class. And then I'll I'll roll in the classes in the evening after that. So and I found that it worked so much better for me than trying to squeeze in like another thing on top of everything else I was doing. I was just yeah. running out of time, and more than running out of time, I was running out of motivation. Yeah. Like fifteen minutes is easy. Like I can run. Upstairs. Anyone can do that. Yeah. yeah. And but I know it's it's doing enough that my conditioning is is still okay. 
like I'm not going backwards in 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 what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm maintaining it because I'm relatively strong as it is anyway, and it, it's still helping me out. So I did uh, earlier last year. I did the Copenhagen Open, Fort Gian Nogi on the Saturday. I flew back and then fought in the Masters in Hereford, like the following day. <laughs> I, this is this is all Josh Hinger's fault because Josh Hinger did the Vegas Open and Masters, and I was like, I could do that. <laughs> And, uh, it was a lot of fun, but that's what I was doing for it. I was training and then doing those 15-minute sessions. And so I got to do those two competitions. It, it was really enjoyable. Did you win triple triple gold? No, I lost. Uh, I fought. It was a really small division in Copenhagen. I fought um, Samir Chantry. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, in my first fight. Okay. like My first fight in nearly a year, I wow. fought Samir Chantry. The, the most annoying thing is... I almost took his back. He oh, went to a lapel shit. guard. I passed. I was slowly climbing up his back. And I yeah. just couldn't get the second hook in. For like, was that adult? Yeah. Okay. About nine minutes, eight, nine minutes, probably nine minutes into the fight. I didn't know what, because no, there was no timers on the table. So I was like, I, I was up like four advantages to the new one. I just couldn't quite secure the position. I couldn't quite secure any chokes. He managed to reverse it and ended up in my, my like open guard. Yeah. And I should have just closed guard and just held on for dear life. I didn't know how long was left and I was like, I'm going to sweep this guy. And I didn't. And I messed it up and he passed and just held on for like the last minute. And I was like, oh, it's the worst. <laughs> so I like, I ended up, I came away with a, a default bronze, but like it was a really cool experience because yeah. I'd been out for such a long time. And then to go and fight Samir and feel like super comfortable mm. to the point that I almost beat him and I could, I should have beaten him yeah. apart from a tactical mistake. I was like, oh. This, and I, he's world class. Yeah, literally like, you know, so that was cool and then did the nogi and I went the nogi um, choked I only had one fight choked the guy unconscious then came up and did Hereford refereed at Hereford did I referee first no fought at Hereford and then refereed the rest of the day and then refereed the rest of the day and it was like it was glory so, reffing yeah it was so funny like I was like literally like Dave was like I fought sweaty and tired because <laughs> the flight back from Copenhagen was delayed I think so I, I, we got in at uh, 2 2am 2 I was up at 6 to drive over to Hereford because I was like going over with someone I had to compete and I didn't want to drive back there. That's so I had like four or five hours sleep and then get on and then like fight. I fought, got off the mat and then Dave's like, you're refereeing now. I was in my <laughs> gee bottoms, a referee's t-shirt, sweaty as hell. And I was like, it's ridiculous. That's brilliant. Yeah, it was so much fun though. So like, how, how come you had a year off training, a year off competing? Uh, Just how it was? was it was, yeah, it was... Um, it was mostly kind of to do with uh, getting married. So we got married in October last year and we were kind of traveling to and from and it was very difficult to get any training because we were down in San Diego. And I, I just didn't want to compete if I couldn't like be a best, train yeah, and yeah. be like my best kind of thing. So I took a, a relatively large amount of time off. I did like, I think I did Europeans and then I did like another competition at some point in the middle of it and then didn't do anything else. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was like a little bit of burnout as well, I think, was the, the other thing that kind of affected me. Like, when I won Nogi Worlds for the last time, I'd done a lot in that year. I'd done uh, probably like eight or nine competitions, yeah. plus teaching all the time, plus That's traveling a lot and of comps, running. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I'd just done Polaris and whatnot as well. And I was like, it, it, was, it was tough. It was mentally tough, physically very tough. And I was like, I need a break. Yeah. You know, so I kind of took some time off to just recover and, and rest and whatnot. And just mentally, like if I'm not enjoying competition, like trying to put yourself in the mindset to go, yeah. I've got to compete again. Okay, I've got to get through that. But, you mm. know, getting through the sessions becomes harder and harder, mm. you know. Um, but yeah, I feel like now I've, I've, I've 
won enough stuff and I've done the things that I wanted to do that competition is now just For it's fun. more it's, impro- it's more about improving sure like I don't need to win I want to go out and like so when I fought Samir I was really happy that I was going to fight Samir first yeah because I was like, man, I get to fight Samir. I've never fought this guy. Yeah. I know he's legitimately good. I want to see how my junior he does and what can I learn from like, this experience. Yeah. It was great. You know, uh, It's the same. That's, that's what I'm looking at now is more than just trying to win competitions and win other things. It's like, who can I fight against? Mm-hmm. Who are the guys that I want to fight against? Where can I fight them? Who interests me in competing against, you know? Yeah. Like competing against like a 20-year-old kid who's training full-time, it doesn't interest me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so people are like, why don't you compete against like, you know, Nicky Ryan? That doesn't really excite me. But if I got the opportunity to fight someone like Hobson Mora, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, okay, you know, we're a similar age, similar size. But that's the other thing is like, you're masters too. I know, I'm old now. I'm really old. Like, how do you, but you you, you can still compete in the adults divisions. Yeah. yeah. So do you have any like advice on, I, I guess you're not, you're not really old, but you're, you're, Thanks, Dan. you're on your way there. <laughs> Getting old. I think you're on your way there. <laughs> um, I'm not as young as you used to be. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. Oh wait, none of us are, mate. Yeah. What are uh, you now, 27? I'm fucking. I'm 28 now. God, God, this is crazy, man. I think I'm 38 this year. I know, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I guess it's the same for everyone. Yeah, but I was just used to being the youngest guy at the gym. Man, like when I was 28, was that 2009? I was a purple belt. Yeah, I think it's purple belt or brown belt, one of the two. So don't even don't even worry about it. Yeah, maybe. You got plenty of time, bro. Maybe. Look at Josh Hinger. Josh Hinger. Oh, look at Cabrinha. 37. How old is Josh? Josh Hinger, I think, is 30, uh, 35 or 36. Is he? Okay. But Cabrini, like 37, 38, won the, what's it called? The Super Grand Slam. Wow. Europeans, Pans. Uh, adult. Brasileiros, Worlds, savage, ADCC. I think he's in the UK at the moment, isn't he? I think he's at Aim and Madness tonight. Is he there tonight? I think so, yeah. I'm going to see, if I, can, I'm gonna see if I can pinch a podcast with him. Yeah, talk to Eamon. Eamon's a good guy. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of longevity, it's... Uh, the, one of the biggest lessons I ever learned was probably the second or third time. The first time I won, was it the first time I won Worlds? First time I won Worlds, I stopped trying to compete with the younger kids. Like I stopped trying to do exactly the training that they were doing. I did what I kind of felt comfortable and like what my body would let me do. Yeah. Rather than trying to go in twice a day or three times a day and lift and do all those kind of things and just getting broken down. And as soon as I did that, I started listening to my body and training like a little bit less. I can still get good sessions in like, you know, just training once a day. Yeah. But my level started going up because I could recover quicker. Did you, know you do, I mean? did you do anything for recovery? Not really, no. I've no. tried like cryo things and all those kind of stuff. You never found anything like real useful? Nah, just trying to get as much rest as I can and then a lot of coffee. Coffee? Yeah. That's the secret. That's the <laughs> secret to get, keep it going, man. <laughs> when you're teaching seven hours a day, yeah, it's a secret to keep it going, man. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine doing that. Yeah, it's a lot. That sounds brutal. Yeah, it's a lot. I know a lot of people do do it. Yeah, it, I... For me, I know it's kind of a temporary thing, and it's like the means whilst, to an end. Yeah, once like, you get the gym, once they get the gym up and running, is that like kids, up. beginners, advanced? Or uh, so typically, yeah, it's 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 kids. So we have we just introduced like a competition class every Monday to Thursday. So from eight to nine, we have a competition class or like advanced class, and then normally we'll have a kids class, two kids classes. So we have a five to sevens kids and a eight to twelves kids. And then we'll have like either fundamentals or beginners and then we'll have a comp class after that. And then during the day, I'll have privates or other classes to teach. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. Um, it's fun though. Like kids are, are great. They're yeah, they're great. They're, 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 they're funny. The five to sevens are brilliant. 
If you ever want some funny, check out our, our Instagram page for some funny kids. Yeah. We've got some kids, man. They're just hilarious. We've got this one kid, Yan, who's like, uh, he's like four. So we, like, we let some kids in the program that are a little bit younger than five. Uh-huh. If they're mentally able to deal with it, he's, sure. he's like four. And he literally fights fairies half the time. So we've got like a couple of little like highlight videos up, and then some of them are just there, like, ah. <laughs> like and it's so brilliant. We tell all the kids like when they start a fight, they got slap hands, fist bump, and get their ready faces on. Yeah, and they're all like pirates. They're all like, <laughs> brilliant. That like honestly, I, when I first started teaching that age group, I was like, oh, this is going to be like a nightmare. Yeah, but. Providing you're going with the mic mentality and you don't try to teach them too much. Like, it's more like about developing body coordination and having fun with them. And we do a lot of games with them. Yeah. They're so much fun to work with. Like, they're, and the stuff that they do is hilarious. Like, forever the floor is just jumping up and biting them and they're falling over. You know what I mean? Like, they'll be running around in a circle and yeah. just, like, collapse. And you're like, <laughs> how, did, how did that happen? What, what did you do? Is <laughs> that's the thing. I think, like, yeah, like you said, for the kids, it's about just give them, like, put yeah. a gear on and have a good time on a mat. Yeah, very much. To, like, so. trying to teach them how to do arm bars. No. Well, we do, we do, we, for our You've got to, like, trick them into them, did you see? Pretty much. We yeah. teach them through, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the Gracie game stuff. Yeah. We took that is idea. It, is it good? It's okay. Like, some of the ideas are really, really good. What I took from it more than, like, the, the actual uh, games themselves is the way that they teach it. Like, it's very, very gamified. So we have lots of different things. So we, we have taken, like, the backpack and the crazy horse from there, which are, like, you throw a five-year-old on your back and hold on, then run like, around the gym and, like, do cartwheels with them. And yeah. and then, like, you, you just having a lot of fun, right? And we, we've got, like, the aeroplane as well, which is mount, because we, like, got their arms out and they look sure, like an yeah. aeroplane. We have, uh, what else do we have? We have guard monster, which is closed guard with, like, everything locked in. We okay. have uh, our shields. So we tell the kids to put their shields up when their back hits the ground, so they suck everything in. And like, and then we have like loads and loads of stuff like that that the kids use. Yeah, and it works just so well with that age group. Like, and they just have so much fun, and they're yeah. always doing it with instructors. Yeah. And like, they're like, we took the instructor down today. <laughs> but the, at the same time, they're they're getting good. Like, we've got kids that if they see your back, they will latch onto it, and you will mm. never be able to shake them off. Yeah, and they're making like these crazy. They're, they're like doing real jujitsu, but it's taken us probably it probably took us six to eight months to get them to the point that they we had we can teach them real jujitsu. Yeah. And that was like our first crop of kids. And then the other kids, it's easier because the other kids already have like, they, they know what's happening and they know what to do. And the other kids can do that. They can replicate it far easier Yeah. now. But it was, a, it's a, it's an interesting process. That is cool. That is yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, going, going back to some of the stuff from earlier, like, uh, I didn't, I didn't know that you did JKD until yeah. like about a month ago when I was chatting the, oh, about yeah. getting Bob to uh to come on the podcast who's the last episode actually oh yeah yeah yeah. and uh and yeah he said that you were going the train you've been going the train with bob so you still yeah. doing jkd no um bob uh bob wanted to do some private lessons so i taught i would actually oh, like you the, were doing jiu-jitsu with him yeah i taught a little bit with bob oh. yeah which is fun it was it's it's a really interesting uh experience having to adapt jiu-jitsu for someone like bob's got a lot of problems with his hips and whatnot like yeah. and i mean for the for bob's age and what he's put his body through he's in like incredible shape oh, and yeah, yeah, insane um so we started looking at ways that we can use jujitsu for him yeah, um, and not like, and the limitations that he has on his body. It was really interesting kind of problem to solve about how we can take that and work with it. And, and it was really cool. Um, so I started working a little bit with Bob. I haven't done any jacketing or any striking probably. Actually, I was teaching, Luca was doing an MMA fight. So I was working back in some striking and kickboxing MMA stuff at the end of the start of last year, which is kind of fun. You know, I enjoy that side of things. Does it interest you to compete in that or? Not anymore, no. I don't no. like being punched in the face, man. Like, yeah. I went through that. Uh, it, it was okay at the time. But for me, MMA was about 
testing myself. Sure. It wasn't about being, being like, yeah, that never really, I'm not that, that's not my mentality. That's not my type of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I quickly realized that just being punched or elbowed in the face is like not really what I want to do. Yeah. But I want to be able to know, like I, th- one of the things about competing is that I wanted to know if I could do that from like a, the fun if i was mean it will not necessarily mean enough but if i had the it within me to actually physically injure another person intentionally and so that's why i started competing mma and i realized that i did (laughs) (laughs) so i was grinding my elbow into this french guy's face just like looking at your hands like oh my god the power what am i capable of the power (laughs) so what's next for you then um mostly growing the gym uh, I got a bunch of seminars and stuff we taught a lot of seminars last year but we're kind of kind of cutting it down we got seminars this year I'm going to do some more competition as you well d- you do seminars with your wife don't you yeah a lot of the time yeah that's cool it's a lot of fun um, and we have a lot of banter back and forth which people seem to really enjoy uh, what whilst you're teaching yeah absolutely we bicker on the mat and all kinds of stuff yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's entertaining and she will uh, religiously mock me because there's, there's not that many black belt couples are there not really, no. There's not, a few. There's a few out there. Um, I'm not sure how many actually teach together. I'm not sure if teaching together is a good idea, but it's quite entertaining. <laughs> like, we'll regularly be off the side of the mat just arguing about something. And it'll be like, we'll come back in and it's like, Chelsea wants to show you this. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny. You know, it's but a really cool Do you guys experience. have like a similar game or? Uh, yes, to a certain extent. Um, she uses a lot of lot more spider guard than I do, and a lot of uh, uh, things like that. Like women, she's jiu-jitsu. mainly gi jiu jitsu, right? She's she's done all right no gi as well. She's got sick knee bars. Yeah. Oh my god, her knee bars. Her knee bars are like they're the t- honestly the tightest knee bars I've ever felt. Really? Um, yeah. Like she, the first time she put me in one, I was like, oh, my leg's gonna break. Yeah. She's she's got her uh, eight eight or like knee reconstructions on her record where she's injured people's legs. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. She was like this terror at brown belt, like taking out people's oh, legs. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I know. Serious businessman. That is. Um, yeah, they're savage. Yeah. Savage. Uh, so she she has that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, they're relatively similar. We use a lot of our... We have different positions and stuff that we use. Like the way that she plays on top's different. Because she's way more... Um, more mobile on top than I am. I use a mm. lot more like control and stuff like that. And that kind of comes from her being a, a, a female, basically like she's like 55 kilos or whatever, yeah. 53 kilos. So people can like just lift her off and move her. So she has to be more mobile on top. Whereas I'm like a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger. So I can yeah, you have like people. a really nice, uh, like pressure passing game. Right? Yeah. I, I really, I, I'm like Braulio kind of taught me that side of things, I, I think, and I got all used to the controlling and my mount's really good from like watching a lot of Roger Gracie's fights. Like back when he won the, you know, the, the nine jokes yes. from mount, right? Yeah, I was there, yeah. I broke that down mm. religiously and I learned a lot from watching those fights about how he applies the pressure and how to distribute weight. So now I've got a super heavy mount and my top game's really, really heavy. Like the, to the point that I'll, I'll be able to tap people just with top pressure. Which from is mount? Just, from mount, from side control. Side control one I can do real easy, but... Yeah. From mount as well, like really? I can, yeah, and, and I'm like, I'm like, well, I feel like it's less impressive me tapping people. I know from exactly because I'm like, ninety five kilos. It's brilliant. I love it. When we, whenever we go to seminars, you'll get like these big, like you know, like ninety plus kilos guy. You know, the big like, yeah. And then I'll I'll put them in side control or something. I'll just hold them or mount, and they'll just be like, and it's like it's a cool experience. That is very cool. You know, because it's like it is jujitsu in its very pure form. Like it's I'm using leverage and pressure. Yeah, in a specific point that's doing all the work yeah Yeah. the biggest disadvantage of being big is that it's not as impressive yeah i know (laughs) just well i can if you do the little man stuff 
Yeah, it can You have be. to go the opposite way around. That's what it is. It's like inverse proportionality, right? Yeah, you need to be like flexible and fast. Yeah, and like going upside down and doing all those kind of things. And, yeah, but and crushing people is so fun. It is. It's then learn the to best. crush people from upside down. Yeah, okay. You know? The, the, the in crush. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, what was it? Yeah. Yeah, no. So, so, so you, you, you and Chelsea kind of teach each other stuff then. Because yeah, I, I, I regularly she, she steal at things. Atos, off. right? She, yeah. So she started. So uh, she started when she was twelve, training jujitsu, I think. And wow. this, so this is back in like, uh, I've got to do math. Ninety nine. Wow. So really, really early, and she started in one of the uh, Gracie bars down in San Diego. Um, and she was like the only kid, tiny female girl, like yeah. tiny female in with just adults. Like, and she, so she, she, she actually, I think she won Pan Ams as a blue belt and then didn't really compete again. And she were, uh, she went out to, she got like a purple belt, got a brown belt. She was in China for a long time. And then when she got back from China, she went to, uh, she went back to her old instructor and he was like, look, you're, you want to be a competitor. You need to go and train at Atos. So she went and started training with Andre Gavao. Um, she did well there, won five, won worlds, got a black belt from Andre Gabal, oh, yeah. and then was like, well, Andre's a lot bigger, and the Mendez brothers just opened up, so she went and trained up with the Mendez brothers, which is because they're, they're connected, aren't they? Yeah, they 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 regularly in when like in like season, so January to they'll they'll go and train with June, each other. They, yeah, like once a week they'll either go down or Atos will come up, and so you get all these like, guys. In the who house. were the Mendez brothers with originally? They got their black belts from Ramon Lemus, I think his name is. Yeah. Hamon Lemus. Who is who? What affiliation is he? Were they? Were they? Were like? They were, Gal, was Gaba like brother or TT? He was, uh, he was TT, and then because that obviously got uh, dissolved pretty into much. Brasa, and that got changed to Brasa, and then they broke off from Brasa into Atos, which yeah. is um, okay. Gaval, uh Roman Lemus, who's in he's in Sao Paulo, I think. Okay, and then there's also Guto as well. well. They were like kind of the original guys that formed Atos, but now Andre's obviously up in the US. Yeah, um, but yeah, so they're all kind of connected in that in that in that way. But yeah, so it's an interesting experience seeing those. Seeing have those you been camps. Have you been to Atos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's it like there? Uh, it's good. The old place was in a weird, weird situation. It was like it, it was two mats, but in the middle was like a laundrette or like a Chinese laundry or something like that. So it was very, very strange setup. Wait, 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 wait. It, yeah, I know. It was like this weird. It, so it was on like a corner like so you imagine they've got a corner so they had like a unit here a unit here and then there's a completely separate business in this position so could you could you get through you could go through the men's changing rooms I think to, to the, the other to the other side <laughs> <laughs> it was really really crazy that wor- that works yeah kind of it, it was okay yeah. it was did, they buy, did they buy the laundry or, no they ended up moving to a bigger space yeah. it's now a really really nice gym it looks um, nice yeah it's like, great they got two mats it's the biggest there. gym that, it's like the I think it's the, like, not physically sized, but I think it's, like, Atos is the biggest gym in the world, like, single gym. It wouldn't surprise, what, in terms of members? or Not members, not size, but, like, in, I don't know, influence, <laughs> like, results, power, I don't know. They're doing really well at, like, the adult divisions and stuff like that at the moment. Like, they're regularly winning those kind of things. I know they keep winning, like, pans and all that kind of stuff. Like, the quality that they have on the mats there is insane. It's insane, yeah. yeah. Like, that, because that's kind of... It, it's almost self-fulfilling so a lot of guys come to them to train yeah so they pick up those guys as well um but yeah it's it's like their their comp classes and all those kind of things are absolutely mad you know same with aoj as well like they pick up a lot of guys that come in because of who the men as well do the bigger guys tend to go to atos and the smaller guys tend to go there i would say so they're, yeah. they're both in san diego or no uh aoj is up in orange county up okay. just below la in um 
But they're still like, they're, they're pretty relatively close to each other. Yeah, they're like hour and a half away at the yeah. most kind of thing, yeah. like 70 miles. Um, but yeah, so the littler guys will tend to go to the bros and then the bigger guys will go up to Atos a lot of the time. Do they have um, similar training stores though? I've never, I've never actually taken a class, like a legitimate class, oh, Atos. Atos. Oh, really? I've only ever done the comp classes there, which are different. Okay. Um, so the I, spine I classes. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's so always interesting though, kind of like, find out what the best gym, you're like the inside man. <laughs> like, what are they doing? What are they doing? What's, What's the secret about, What's doing? I, I, I don't know. Man, he's just doing secret stuff. What's in the doing? background. You know, you know. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I can't tell you, man. I'm sorry. I haven't been there in a while. Do you know? No. <sighs> I can't tell you. I can't tell, tell you. You can tell me after the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Mike Scott. <laughs> <laughs> He's having a beef with uh, Craig, uh, not Craig Jones, uh, Gordon Ryan. Right oh, yeah. yeah. What do you think of all that? Uh, I think it's, it's hilarious. Stupid. And I think... So stupid. Yeah, it's... Um, don't don't go down to his level. Yeah, I think it's quite who st- Who started it? Uh, I'm not really sure, in all honesty. I think Andre put up something about being like the best in the ADCC, which he legitimately is, right? Yeah. Like he's won... He all the, the super king. fights he has, he's ha- yeah, that was what it was. He said he was the king, and then like, well, Gordon Ryan. Like, we all know how much Gordon Ryan doesn't like other people calling themselves the king. Exactly, and I think that's where the beef. Is. And then, but then, like Andre's got a legitimate point. If you want to fight me, then you've got to win the ADCC. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he you does. Know? Like, you, if you can't beat Felipe Pena, yeah, then you don't deserve a, a shot. So just calling me out, then it's it's not fucking hard. Like in 2019, in September, yeah. in LA. Gordon's going to fight ADCC, yeah. wait in absolute, and Andre's going to fight Philippe Penner. Yeah. And if Andre wins and Gordon wins the absolute... There you go. Then into two, twenty. But, but at the same time, like, how old is Andre now? Uh, he's a bit, a bit younger than me, but he's still pretty old. He's like, must be 34, something like that, 35. Is he only that young? Yeah. He's been training a long time. Remember, he got his black belt really... Right. He was he, very young. Yeah, he was 20s. young, like early 20s kind of thing. Because um, he retired from the gi... He's pretty much retired from competition, I believe. That's what, like, I, this is what I said, because we, we were having this discussion, like, Gabal's retired. Because I remember yeah. after he lost to Negramante, King of the Mat, or one of the AD. Yeah, uh, like, he just he just looked terrible. Yeah. Uh, he didn't look like I think Andre Galval, the king. Yeah, I think he's only doing super fights. Like, only doing the um, ADC super fights. Yeah, well, that makes sense, because... You know, and I, I, I kind of get that, because it's, it's so much work to kind of stay at that high level. So if you're only going to go through a training camp, like, you can spend three, four months. Yeah getting ready for one event and then just just do that you know um, i'm sure he's going to get paid well by the uh i think the they shakes. have a set amount for <laughs> i'm sure they have a set amount for the for adcc champs it's like 50 grand i think yeah to win the super finals yeah. Yeah. but then that whole thing with uh, gordon ryan is like kyo terra was like well i'll fight you that was strange but then gordon was like well no i'm not going to do it for that much <laughs> it's like well you can't you can't have it one way and then i think he wanted it in the gear didn't they yeah and then and gordon ryan's been like well i'm not going to uh no longer competing in the gi now which is which is fine yeah because i get it because i also think the gi's silly but um <laughs> dan you started in the gi your roots <laughs> that man. is true it's true man it's like look so i get the i don't want to train uh-huh. in the gi if you don't enjoy it thing mm-hmm. but you're the dickhead who went around telling everyone that you're gonna win ADCC, yep. and then you're gonna win the worlds in gi, yep. and then you're gonna be a five-time UFC champion. Yep. You know, like you got yeah. If, if you, you say, say the things, yeah. people are gonna call you yeah. out when yep. you don't do the things. Yeah, this is like the double-edged sword, which is if you say the things and you're fucking bold and you do it, <laughs> then you look like a fucking boss. Yeah, right. You go, I'm gonna be the greatest no gi grappler in the world. Yep. I'm gonna win ADCC. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. And then you do it and people go, 
That's fucking yeah, dope. That's cool. And there's no doubt about that. He's yeah. fucking legit as fuck. I think yeah, he's yeah, one yeah. of the best in the world, no doubt. Oh yeah. But if you say the shit and then you don't do it, yeah. you've got to take the shit that yeah, you exactly. get. Exactly. You have exactly. to take. There's it. no other way about it. You just got to hang your head and be like, yeah. you just got to take it. You got. Yeah. yeah. I thought. I thought after Vinny beat him, Vinny Magalhaes beat him. I thought it might kind of just chill him out a little bit. Yeah, he's just but got apparently worse. Not. <laughs> apparently not. But he's hey, got worse. You know, he's he's uh he's making money and cashing checks. In it. Yeah. But there was a while where, like, his whole thing, he was just calling people out for super fights. Yeah. For, like, oh, well, that, that's not really how he made his name, though. Yeah. You know. But um, that, that's not happening at all anymore. No. Like, no one's doing those. It's weird, isn't it? There's that little period of it's time where people were like... It's not weird because it, it's 15 grand, when you'll never make it back. Yeah. <laughs> you'll never make yeah. it back for grappling. <laughs> if you pay 15 grand to host a super fight, yeah. you won't make the money no. back. So you do it once and you go, oh didn't make my money back yeah this isn't good business this isn't i'm not gonna idea. do it again yeah. and you find like five ten guys who yeah. are willing to fuck off 10 15 20 yeah, grand yeah. but all of them go oh it's actually not worth it in any yeah, way it's not worth it at all no. so like uh what's his name josh leduc uh yes offered 300 grand for uh galval he won't, he won't oh, i know it's crazy back. That's, that's nuts. You never get that money back. Unless he's just doing it for a... I see, I remember when it was that... I, I kind of call bullshit on that. Do you remember? With you. Uh, a few years ago, it was like, Cabrinha, one, uh, uh, Haffa and Cabrinha was like, we're going to fight for no no time limit. And someone put up 10 grand for that. And everybody was like, that's insane. Yeah. And it never happened, obviously. But yeah. like, or until they get the submission. But that was plausible. That was plausible, yeah. 300 absolutely. grand really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's just out there. I mean, if, you, if you've got that much money that you can burn through it. He's in Scotland know. soon, actually. I was hoping that he'd come to the... I'd like to chat to him, actually. Who's that? Josh Starlord, yeah. Josh Lidnock, yeah. Uh, okay. Because um, he looks like Chris Pratt in it. He does, yeah, yeah. He really does. Yeah. He's really run with that theme. Yeah, well, that's good. Good idea. Uh, I think it's good. I actually thought it was Chris Pratt for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you can pass through it. Yeah. Well, Chris Chris Pratt did some jujitsu, didn't he? Oh, did he? He did some wrestling and shit. He's wow. a. Re- I think he was a wrestler back in the day. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, he looks like he looks a like yeah, he yeah. looks like a wrestler. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, three hundred grand. You it's never it. see that money back. No, you never see it. No, this is a met- this is metamorphosis thing all over again. <sighs> Too much money. Yeah, you, know, you will awesome. never make it back. Yeah, but yeah, interesting so, times. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, we need a little bit of drama in jiu-jitsu. Yeah, there's, why always, not, right? there's always a little bit of drama. Yeah. Oh, so much. <laughs> so much. <laughs> I guess you probably hear quite a lot because you're all over the place. Yep, yep. Fair amount. I just try to stay out of it because it's just... I try to avoid drama what's as best, much what's as What's the possible. best drama? Uh, I, that was, I mean, that was good drama. That, that was a good drama. Um, I haven't heard any good stuff. I'm trying to, th- to get gossip out of you. I know you are, yeah. That was always my favourite thing about... Uh, Actually, you know, I'm, I can't drop names now. I'm getting too relaxed in the conversation. You can drop names. Come on, Dan. <laughs> no, 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 no. Do no, it, no. Dan. You might like it. <laughs> Try like, it. I was about to go, and I'm like, nah, actually, you know. It, when you hang out, with, it's, it's, it is. I think when you when you hang out with people like that, you suddenly like you you you're on the inside, and you start yeah. to hear all the things. There's like a few people I know who spent time in a lot of places. Yeah, they'd always been my source of gossip. Yeah, and you I just find out things, and you're like, yeah, I'm never repeating that outside of it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, then, and then you come on a podcast you just and then get someone a little bit too relaxed it, yeah. and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny like uh, I'm not going to say that <laughs> I'll t- so when I I told you I did like uh, like a lot of a screamer and stuff like that yeah this is like an example of that okay I got uh, I got involved in a duel in the Philippines oh like yeah like a legitimate duel okay this uh, is it okay this we is got it. there we got this okay. hour 45 in but we got there it's an hour 45 I know it goes real fast man <laughs> it goes real fast I just need some fucking sick stories right so 
So I got into a duel in. Yeah, the yeah, I got involved in a duel in the Philippines. You never mentioned a screamer. No, well, I did. Look, I, my instructor was doing a screamer, and I was like, okay. I, I guess the I did a lot of it. You said Filipino martial arts. Yeah, yeah. So I did a lot of it. So I went out to the Philippines, um, and I was training out there for a couple of weeks. Uh, and as it was going on, there was this whole thing with um, Kakoy, who was like the head of the association, and he was a legit like. He used to fight a uh, single stick and dagger with their ankles tied. And it was like, it was whoa, like, whoa, 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 stop, 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 stop. What? Yeah. A stick? A stick. Scrim and stick a dagger. And a dagger. Is that a, like a shop? Yeah. So this was to the death. Uh, it w- it there was various different rules. So sometimes it'd be like a disarm. So if you disarmed the person, that would count as like, and they might do it three times, or it might be do a cut, or it might be if someone gave up to a cut. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> like the honestly, the Filipinos. And then wait, 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 wait. And their ankles are tied. Yeah, together so they couldn't run away. The, their ankles are tied. Like one ankle would be tied to the other, like to someone else's. So they couldn't run to 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 the person they're fighting. Yeah. What? Yeah. So <laughs> this is like the Gracie <laughs> challenge on steroids. It's like the Gracie challenge, but wait, with knives. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so you and me are fighting, yeah. and our ankles are tied together. We have an ankle tied, a stick each, a knife each, and we fight. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, legitimately. Or they might be tied around the waist. Like, some way of connecting to them so the person can't break away. Yeah, legitimate Holy stuff. Holy shit. So this was Pe- like... People must die? Yeah, absolutely. Occasionally. Definitely happened. Or there's a lot of injuries. Did you ever see someone get No, died? I mean, this is kind of older school. This is like back in the day. So like, uh, Dossier Paris was formed, I think, in 1932. So you're talking, dueling was uh, only outlawed relatively recently in the Philippines. Really? Yeah, yeah. So it's now illegal out there. But there was a period of time fuck. where they used to challenge each other. Like, old, like, just like the UFC, just like the Gracie Challenge, people would come in and like challenge their style of a screamer against someone else. And so it would be like, like the Wild West. Like, people would just be dropping by, you know, there'd be a challenge match on, they'd have a fight, whoever won, brilliant, whoever lost would, you know, go to hospital, go home, whatever, go back a bit broken. So, it's, it's just part of the culture there. Would they wear stuff when they were, when they were dueling with sticks? Uh, yeah. But not armour. Not armour? No. Fuck. No. Like, there's a whole thing of, like, uh, it's called Kalataha, which is, um, like, uh, you wear a... St- yeah, like the Dog Brothers used to do it. They were famous for doing it. Yeah, they used have to wear like a helmet, a, though. They'd have like a helmet on, and uh, that was it. But yeah, I've done. I've In done. The Philippines, they would do it without a helmet. Yeah, and without gloves. I've done it, like uh, full contact, like without without a helmet. You done full contact stick fighting? Yeah. with nothing. Yeah, with a stick. Yeah, no gloves. No nothing. No helmet. Yeah, fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> this was back in my gym. We used to do this stuff all the time. Get out. Yeah, it was crazy. It's crazy. Painful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Some things you don't need to say. I know. I know. <laughs> it was painful. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so we flew out there over training, and um, Kako at this point was like he was in his mid eighties, so he's pretty old. But he was like the champion of the family, so he's a bit like Elio type thing. Yeah. Um, and he kind of in his style of a screamer, he started including a lot of like kind of aikido and judo type techniques. So there'd be a lot of wrist locks using the stick. Um, and like throws and trips and all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. And it's really cool. Like the connection, the style of it is, it's, it's a lot like jujitsu. So you're using a stick, but you're real close quarters and you're working and like you're trying to hit the person, you're trying to lock them up, tie them up, like trap their arms. It's very, very cool. It's a lot of fun. Uh, like the close quarter style of uh, stick fighting. Yeah. Um, and so there was this big controversy over a fight that he had previously with a guy about whether he uh, could have disarmed him and foot swept him three times or not because of the, the point that judo was introduced into the Philippines. 
And there's obviously lots of stuff that goes on with like publicity. You see it with the Gracies as well in the same way. Mm. So while I was out there, this guy, um, Lomoy, who actually used to train with Callow, who came on and was like, this Devon didn't happen. You know, judo wasn't introduced in the Philippines at this point. And so Kakoi's answer was, let's fight. Let's have a duel and I'll show you. And we can see who's the best. Now, obviously, it's illegal in the Philippines to, to, to duel. He's still. 80 as well. Yeah. Uh, Lomoy's like 65. Kakoi's, I think, about 85 or 86. So there's Between like, the two, these two guys. Yeah. These two old schoolers. So they're two wow. old guys. So anyway, all kinds of builds up. You were at, you were at here. You were there. I was there at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was funny. Uh, so it kind of all builds up and we were off in uh, some island. We had to come back for the duel. So we came back and we got to the headquarters, to, to Dose Paras headquarters. And then we got in a car and we went off to university. And then when we got to the university, there's like all of these Filipino screaming doors there. Plus the SWAT, like Filipino SWAT was there. That was one of my first things that I saw was this guy with a shotgun just like resting the end of it on his foot. It's not gun safety. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't seem to be much safety. Yeah, there was no the safety. Hole. Yeah. So we got to this, got to this thing, and um, as we were driving to the event, I was in the same car as Kakoi, and uh, the the mayor of Cebu phoned up and was like, you know, please don't go through with this, Kakoi. You're an old man. There's no need to do this. If you go there, you'll be arrested. I'm I'm sending SWAT down. So we kind of knew they were going to be there anyway. <laughs> So anyway, we get there, like, and these two guys. Um, so that's one of the that's like one of one of those badass things that yeah. I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> you're an eighty year old dude, yeah, and you drive into a duel, yeah, and the mayor rings you up and yeah. pleads with you not to fight. That's fucking awesome. So they <laughs> so cool. <laughs> they go. So then they, they go into this back room and like have this big mediation with like the mayor, Kakoi, and they're like for an hour, right? So you've got these guys having this big chat and then you have two effectively gangs of like sides of the screamer yeah, yeah, people, yeah. right? Um, SWAT separating them. And then there's myself, um, uh, my instructor Anton, who was over there with, who's like 6'1". And we're both white dudes. Everybody else is these... I'm taller than most of the Filipinos <laughs> out there, right? We're sticking out like sore thumbs. And, like, and then like people are like kicking off, stuff's getting shouted. Like, you know, Argy, but people are pushing it's, it's getting crazy like absolutely crazy to the point that we were just like we we need to back out and obviously we're targets as well yeah. like the white folk are the targets yeah <laughs> it was like it, what ended up happening it all got settled kind of amicably yeah thankfully <laughs> that's crazy so we're doing all this stuff and it's like okay it all kind of quiets down everybody separates like there's no violence mm. thankfully or limited violence we get back to um get back to headquarters and then people start unloading all of their weapons and they're pulling out. Like, so they, they start off like putting their sticks down and that's kind of normal. <laughs> then they take out their knives and then the bigger knives and then they pull out the guns. Oh, shit. And then they start, I'm, I'm like, we're just there like, oh, this is... Uh, that could have gone real That could have gone real bad. Oh, so that fuck. was the time I got involved in a duel in the Philippines. That's a cool story, yeah. man. Yeah. But that's the kind of stuff that you learn when you hang around with like eye-level people quite a lot. Yeah. What <laughs> other ones are there? Uh, you got any more of those? Let me say, think back to uh, <laughs> not not dueling in the Philippines. Um, this is the time that Braulio. Have you ever heard that? The time that Braulio was at a seminar in Poland and got uh, got got Gracie challenged. Yeah, by yeah. the two judo guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I I know this story, but but I I think a lot of people don't, so we should definitely tell it. Okay, I, I saw the video. Did you ever? Were see you the there? Video? No, no, no. I never saw the video. So the first time I went to Europeans, like I I literally I was. I was pretty outside the jiu-jitsu community a lot because I was going up to train with Braulio, but that was it. I didn't really know anything yeah. else. So I got to the Europeans. This was in the old stadium, like 2000, I think 2007, something like that. So quite a long time ago. And um, 
I get to the venue and I'm chatting to Bradley and he starts telling out this story and he's like, oh, he brings out this video and, and he's telling this story of like how these, he's at this seminar in Poland mm. and these two judo, like I think they're Olympic black belts come in and he, uh, he puts on this video. Basically they, they, he fights both of them. Yeah. Like gets in the middle of a seminar, gets, gets challenged by these guys. The first guy, Bradley decides to stand up with him and gets thrown, but then immediately arm bars the guy. Yeah. Um, and then the other guy he fights again and he armbars and breaks the guy's arm yeah and then the guy went to a hospital and that was kind of the end of the thing yeah. it was so funny being involved in that ever seeing that as well yeah like, like this shit used to happen yeah like regularly man you, have you never had it at a seminar I've had it at seminars people come in and challenge you yeah no yeah first time I was in Ireland <laughs> Because, like, again, I think it's because I'm kind of small, right? So this is, but I was going to say, man, this is the advantage of being a bigger dude. Yeah. Like, people turn up the fuck with you. So it, it's not necessarily... It's often people in the seminars are like, let's roll. And okay. then it's like, on. When they when you can feel it, like, you slap hands. You're like... I often do that. Like, I slap hands, I fist bump, and I just kind of yeah. see what they're going to react. Like, so I had this yeah. giant 110 kilo Polish guy, like, just go crap. Like, I slapped hands, and he was like, just trying to go going nuts on me yeah ended up arm barring him like three or four times and like like i'd slap him on as well because he was in garden he was like trying to punch choke me that annoying i was like forget this so i just arm barred him like, yeah. a couple of times it's happened a few times like that where guys have just caught me out and i just like, well I'd like uh, i try and it helps i'm bigger yeah and uh i use i try and use everyone when i teach yeah so like uh, when i'm demonstrating techniques oh so that they feel the power yeah yeah yeah, yeah. now i just set chels on them She's even smaller than me, and she will wreck them. <laughs> Eight, nine knee constructions, ten yeah, 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 knee constructions. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. I, they always go with this. Like, they're, like, these huge guys, and Chelsea will just be like underneath them on their back and choking them out as That's well. That's brilliant. And she's got like that that competitive mean streak yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Like when she slaps on a choke, it's like because she can't afford to put it on lightly. Yeah. So she slaps on a choke, it's like Everything, everything's going to be yeah. 100%. <laughs> it's funny. That is brilliant. Yeah. yeah. To be like, uh, oh, okay, you want to play? I'll bring out. <laughs> my wife <laughs> go kill yeah. that's very cool yeah man. that's funny uh, anyway dude we've done two hours now oh I know God. you need okay. to get off somewhere yeah I do yeah, yeah. Um, any last any last words anything you're doing what you up to just just uh, follow me on social media there we I go. should do something like that right follow me yeah. on social media I'll, pl- I'll, I'll, I'll drop your I'll drop your socials in the uh, oh good thank you outro anyway Search you can them. drop them now we can do it twice what's your socials uh, you got your you got your is it Tom Barlow online yeah go to TomBarlowOnline.com yep that's it that's everything on there you'll find links to everything I put up a ton of information like one of the things I always wanted to do is just try and help people as much as possible so I put out masses of information all the time really useful stuff stuff that I'm doing stuff that I'm trying things that I think people all find beneficial mostly yeah, that's yeah. all i do so uh yeah hit me up if you want to download my book you can there as well there's a link on my site so yeah enjoy and uh your instagram oh the mighty barlow the mighty barlow yeah most of my stuff's the mighty who, g- barlow. who gave you the nickname oh i was coming i need an email this was like back in the day in like t- early i remember 2000s. for adcc you had the t-shirts they were cool yeah yeah yeah. The, the, they were they were awesome right? yeah, they were good. Those. yeah yeah i've still got one of those somewhere i literally have one t-shirt from my adcc as well Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Just I the think one. you just got to keep the one. I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the kabuki, the kabuki mouse, right? That was yeah. what it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, the mighty Valo was um, just something I came. Up. I needed something for my hotmail address because I still had like I had like tom dot at uniservity or something yeah. like like really awful email address. So I was like, I need something cooler. And I spent like ages trying to think of this, and then I was like, all right, I'll call it the mighty Barlow. The mighty Barlow yeah. at hotmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> 
don't use that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get inundated. You know, emails and, yeah, it's the mighty barley. Uh, awesome, man. I really enjoyed that, dude. All right, perfect. Thank Thanks for having much. me on, Dan. Nice, somebody, my pleasure. <laughs> That is it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to find out more about the mighty Barlow, then you can check out his website, which is tombarlowonline.com, or you can find him on social media at the mighty Barlow. As always, if you want to get in contact with the podcast, then you can find me on social media at raspberry underscore ape. You can email me, which is podcast at raspberryape.com. You can check out my website, which is raspberryape.com. You can check out my YouTube channel where there will be videos of this and other podcasts and other things at youtube.com forward slash raspberry ape. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you do, as with all of them, like uh, go give them to your friend, like uh, go share it, go tell someone uh, because the more people that listen to the podcast, I like to say something like, then the more I can give back to the jujitsu community. But um I don't know, it just fuels my ego, I guess. But maybe the other one as well. Uh, But whatever. I'll catch you guys next time. See ya.